someone who'd missed out on some of the classics but the movies for win podcast has a way of changing people oh, i'm fine i'm so excited i can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head i think it's the excitement only a person finally getting around to watching movies that have been on his watch list for 20 years can feel a man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion and critic scores are uncertain now, I didn't know why Greg recommended we do this podcast, but I think it was just to feel normal, even for a day. <laughs> Shoot this motherfucker. Uh... <laughs> this so... has been your first installment of Dueling Morgan Freeman Impressions by Denny and Greg. <laughs> we Tune didn't in... make it very far without breaking. <laughs> Tune in next time for when it definitely happens again. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Welcome back a, to the Movies for Wayne podcast. More fun than I anticipated. Hey. Sorry. No, I, sorry. I loved it. I, I was First you hate to... these intros. Then you grow to love. <laughs> That's not from any movie he's done. I knew I couldn't function outside the intro, so I tried to stay in it forever. Greg tried to start the podcast with the introductions and the greetings and the synopses, and I was just trying to think of some way to violate the structure so I could get back to my intro. <laughs> As you may have guessed, we're here to talk about March of the Penguins. Um, this is the Movies for Win podcast. This is the intro to it. Um... I'm Greg, that's Denny. I reckoned it would have taken Greg and about 600 minutes to do that have... intro. But Greg Johnson did it in only six. It's still going to take almost 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done for real. So he says. Alright. Spooky season's done. We all had a great time, but now it's time to get back into the regular movies. You for know, win. <laughs> for win. <laughs> I knew he was lying. <laughs> um, it feels it feels good to be back to normal movies. Um, we spookied hard. We 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 gave it our all, and uh, you know what? Some years I am like heartbroken when Halloween ends. Uh, you know, I'm just like ah. I just wanted it to last a little bit longer before I had to go back to, like, not living in a stylized world again. But this year I really felt like uh, we lived it up to the fullest extent. I felt really good taking taking down my Halloween decorations. I was like, nah, it's it's time. They serve yeah. their purpose. I got, See them again next year. I got what I wanted. It was everything I expected and more. Um, yeah, now it get, just gets to be November. I guess Woo! so. Let's Which is oddly refreshing. 
uh, not weather-wise, but yeah, we're yeah. we're our first episode out of Spooky Season is movies for when you missed out on a classic. So this was going to be a classic movie that I hadn't seen, a classic movie that Denny hasn't seen, and then we were going to team up and do a classic movie that neither of us had seen. And what we found was three movies that I had not seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I had only seen one of them. So this will be a pretty fun... We, we've got some heavy hitters this week, man. These are like, seriously, some, some A-list movies. We usually cover like at least a couple things that are kind of weird, kind of obscure. Maybe not to cinephiles, but to the general public, I suppose. But these are these are pretty accessible right here. I'd say so. Uh, we're going to start with Shawshank Redemption, which was... See, this is where it screws up, because I haven't seen any. Is this my pick? No, this is my... No, yeah, this is yours, because yeah. Shawshank is the one I've seen. Okay, my pick was Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Denny's pick was the original Rocky movie from 1976. Um, and the consensus pick that neither of us had seen was The Sixth Sense. Which was a good way to bridge the gap out of Spooky Season. Yeah, not quite a horror, kind of more of a thriller, but also some spooky elements. Honestly, I thought these, all three of these were way more drama than I expected. Like mm -hmm. drama based, not like drama, but like dramatic, <laughs> you know, like I... If only Rocky had said drama bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, drama bomb, you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, man. I hope I didn't just pop the mic. I'm making efforts to look away from the mic when I laugh now, because last week was, suffice to say, a lot. Yeah, we are well aware of the audio issues that come from Denny being himself. Um, <laughs> he had another mic, but that broke, presumably from laughter, and now he's using his normal laptop microphone to record, and it cannot handle the truth. <laughs> so to speak um, i'm gonna get a better one i'm just also saving for a house and spent all my money on inflatable draculas so it's true wait. i've seen them <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right. let's uh let's tee up for movie number one uh shawshank you, redemption the shawshank redemption danny mm -hmm. do you want to enter this one you think i got it i think you got it all right I'll, uh, this is my pick, so I'll summarize. The Shawshank Redemption, for those who haven't seen it for whatever reason. Which was us until recently. Which was us, yeah. <laughs> I only watched it a couple of years ago. Like, I'm not far ahead of you. Oh, that's, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I've got, I've got plenty like that. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption is about a man wrongfully convicted of a double murder of his wife and the man she's having an affair with, and he gets sent to... The Shawshank Prison, yep, in uh, Maine, and he is there for 19 years. He befriends Morgan Freeman, who's been in there for uh, twice as long, and yeah, it's just about his life in the prison. He slowly earns the favor of guards and the warden, and just uses his smarts to, uh, spoilers, escape the Shawshank Prison and live a better life. Um, this is the number one movie on IMDb's movie ratings. Yeah. So I went into it. I texted Denny. Um, I, I floated the idea to him for this being my pick. And he was like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of overrated. So, and 
no matter what, I was going to go into it not assuming that it deserved to be the number one movie of all time over yeah. <laughs> the first two Godfathers. But um, yeah, it's it's still a good one. Um, oh, yeah. It, it lived up to my expectations. It it wound up being exactly as good as I thought it would be. Uh, so you said you'd seen this one a couple years ago? Yeah, you know, this was a movie for me that uh, people's jaws would hit the floor when I told them uh, I hadn't seen it. And I swear this exact scenario happened like five or six times. I wasn't avoiding it, you know, but like... Anytime we were, like, trying to pick a movie and someone would, like, get out their DVD case and they'd be like, oh, shit, Shawshank's pretty good. And I'd be like, oh, wow, I've never seen Shawshank Redemption. Let's watch it. Um, and they'd be like, you haven't seen the best movie ever made? And I would just be like, guess not. Been wanting to watch it for a while. Let's watch it. And then they'd freak out on me for a while. And I'd be like, okay, put it on. And they'd be like, no, nah, I'm not really in the mood for it tonight. <laughs> it's not really a Shawshank kind of night. That I, I, happened to me so many times. Like, that exact, like, flip your shit because I haven't seen it after suggesting it. Me be okay with the suggestion and then saying, ah, it's, it's just, I'm actually not really in the mood for it now that I think about it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, when I finally I watched... I blame sorry, them. Ahead. Yeah, I, I blame them for that. Absolutely. So I, find, I think it was on the first year Vanessa and I made our movie list. I think this was on it because uh, we watch an annual movie list together that we decide on the first day of the year. Just stuff we either haven't seen and want to or stuff we want to go out of our way to watch again but like might not make time for. We just, you know, set an intention. Um, I, was a, I was fairly underwhelmed by it the first time I saw it. I was just like, dude, it's like a, it's a 90s drama. Like, that's, it's like a lot of 90s dramas. I don't see what all the hype was. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate it. Um, I almost skipped it this time, just because, like, I was tired and not in the mood. And It's already... also almost two and a half hours long. That was another reason, and I was going to have to, Sorry. I thought we were going to record this sooner, so I thought I was going to have to watch it uh, before work one morning, and I started doing it. And I'm really glad I did because uh, I liked it a lot more this time around. Like, okay, it, it really, really improved. Like, to the point that, like, I didn't want to get up and go to work um, before finishing it and was excited to, like, watch it on my lunch break at work that day. I was like, damn, that actually, again, I'm pretty fucking far from the best movie of all time. But I, I actually really liked it a lot better on the second pass. I think maybe nice. being less pressured or not ha knowing what to expect maybe um because this is like a lot of people would say this is the best movie ever made like a lot of people say it i think so yeah and this for me this is going to be something that comes up uh for all three movies i assume you knew what was going to happen at the end right like it's just it's so popular that you know about the escape that kind of I, thing had you heard about that i can't really remember um i don't remember being I, I think i probably knew the what um i don't think i really knew how or anything like that i mm -hmm. think i i think i knew there was a prison break but i honestly couldn't really tell you i don't remember okay. uh i don't remember being like holy shit he got out but i did remember being like holy shit behind the poster you know like I, yeah. that's um so i don't really know I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't remember if this was spoiled for me or not, which means 
It actually maybe wasn't, because I get really upset when people spoil things for me, and I can't get it out of my brain even when I want to forgive them, so. Yeah, um, same, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I hate those people. Yep. Man, uh, I, I knew about the escape. I think I had seen it on, like, YouTube or something. I just, I don't think I cared <laughs> about spoilers <laughs> as much at that point. Like, yeah. so... It was in my mind, and I think it, it, it's been parried in, like, parodied in, like, Bob's Burgers or something like yeah, that, you know? Yeah, like, lots of stuff has parodied this. It's it's an influential movie. Yeah, and then, like, specifically the tunnel behind the poster has yeah. been, like... I feel like that's pretty common knowledge, even... You know, I guess you hadn't heard of it, but... Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the reason... Like I said, this is kind of a th running thread through all three movies. Since I know how it ends... I just never really convinced myself to go ahead and sit down and watch the whole thing to see how yeah. the rest of it fares. So that's something I was really excited for uh, with all three of these, and specifically with this one, with how hyped up it was. Um, yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you. It was really good, maybe a little better than I thought. Just a solid, airtight little movie. Little yeah. two-and-a-half-hour movie. Well, you know, I think it really speaks to it that <clears throat> I really don't like to watch dramas very often. Um, I think it's rooted in me being a therapist and just wanting something not emotionally heavy or, like, character development focused. You know, like, uh, oh, issue focused. Um, and I especially just, I really don't like the, like, you know what I'm talking about? The really glossy, clean-looking... A little bit yellow tinted 90s dramas you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. and i think shawshank kind of kind of falls into that you know that sort of uh fried green tomatoes aesthetic you know what i'm saying yeah um and i really like shawshank yeah like i, I think that it speaks a lot to the quality of the story honestly um yeah it was really cool to see tim robinson show some range um he usually sticks to sketch comedy uh, he's got a really popular show on Netflix right now, but I had no idea he was such a good performer in Shawshank. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, everyone is really good in this movie. Did you just, did that just go over your head? Yes, you did. Tim, wait, who was, oh my god. <laughs> the actor, the lead actor is, uh, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, oh my god, okay. I was, I was pretending to think it was Tim Robinson. I was like, wait, which prisoner <laughs> was that? <laughs> I was making a joke. Damn it. <laughs> went right over my head um tim robbins did have a great performance though uh greg where do we start with this other than a stupid joke i made that didn't land i feel bad about it uh let's start with morgan freeman yeah this is uh one of the few times where i see him as the character red and not mm -hmm. as morgan freeman mm -hmm. that doesn't really happen especially with him um i think a lot of it has to do with you know it's this movie came out in 94 so he's obviously much much younger and you know they do like de-aging makeup and that kind of thing but he yeah. like talks he ta the way he talks he sounds a lot younger mm -hmm. it's not full keith david <clears throat> in the thing but it is still like uh you know i i still see the character red and think of him that way than rather than the actor which was nice nice little oh, surprise yeah. no i'd say the same thing for uh excuse me i keep burping um mm-hmm for red and dufresne like that didn't feel like morgan freeman and tim robbins to me it, it yeah. felt like the characters and 
we got a lot of time with them. Um, it's a pretty fantastic Morgan Freeman performance. Um, especially just him being someone who is just like so in a place of acceptance of where he is in life that he's actually at peace in prison and is kind of happy. And he's a really good guy to guide us through, um, to guide us through this world. And then for us to see how he was changed, you know, like to see how he learned about something more than complacency and comfort and actual abundance, you know, like to truly, to truly have a life, to truly live. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really cool, man. It was really great. <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel like he... Gross. <coughs> Excuse me. Let that spike the mic. All right. Uh, yeah, like the idea of institutionalization, as we see with the character Brooks, is... It's kind of scary, honestly. Mm. And you, yeah. you worry about Morgan Freeman succumbing to that, or, you know, um, any of these characters. Just you think about when they got in in the 40s and then they're talking about the kennedy assassination you're like fucking hell like have they ever even seen like a television set yeah and it's 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 wild to think about and it's wild to think about like how i would be in that situation the realities of people actually going through this and just how jarring and like you get out and you feel more alone than you ever were inside. Yeah. And I, it's hard to think about what that does to a person. I feel like this movie does a really good job of portraying that. Yeah. No, it, it was a really cool conversation that really wasn't popular. I mean, it's not even that popular now, but it definitely wasn't popular in the like rose-tinted 90s about mm-hmm. how the prison system doesn't work. It's not rehabilitative. Um, we know that like people commit crimes they go to jail they get further traumatized and they get out and commit crimes again right like and also we do not set them up for success after locking them in a cage for 40 years we isolate them make them unemployable unable to vote um and don't really set them up with any sort of like skills for what you do when you get out we're just like well see you later it must have been fun being traumatized and treated like human cattle and exploited for slave labor while you were here. Yeah. Anyway, bye bye. This, this will definitely not be a featured in the episode "Movies for When You Get Out of Prison." Um, <laughs> Just watch Gilda over and over like they did. Oh yeah, her shoulders are out. She's whipping her hair around. Yeah, ah, what a dame. Um, I, at first, I had a real issue with the voiceover. Not necessarily Morgan Freeman doing it, obviously. Mm -hmm. His voice is terrific, and his performance of a voiceover is second to none Mm -hmm. for any actor. Like, I just, I don't like voiceover as a method of story and exposition delivery. Yeah. But with a movie this long, I I don't know. I, I liked the scenes more that didn't feature any voiceover. Yeah. But also, I came to kind of appreciate it, and I think, like, we're not even d- diving into much of the meat of the story, honestly. Just kind of overall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we can talk about guys getting their butts called mushy later. Um, yeah. Or we could not. Or we could not, yeah. <laughs> Depending Just... on what we're feeling. And delete this note. <laughs> 
All right, we're good. Mushy butts are gone. Mushy butts are gone. Just like that. Sorry, Just your your point about voiceovers? I feel like they were what kind of set this as a more accessible movie. Yeah. I feel like this movie is so universally loved because not only is it a compelling drama, well-performed, well-made, looks great, it's an airtight script, mm-hmm. it's a satisfying story with a satisfying conclusion, and there is absolutely no way to misunderstand what is going on. Yeah. The movie is telling you exactly what's going on and how characters feel about it at all times. And yeah. normally I would criticize that, but I don't really feel it's a giant negative here because I feel like this movie was made f- to make everybody yeah. appreciate it. Like, Which I, is I fine. Don't... You could tell this story without Morgan Freeman saying a word off screen. Yeah. Or without Brooks, you know, having his letter to the prisoners written or like read out loud by the character. But at the end of the day, that's what I think makes this movie so loved and accessible. So I can't say I really fault it or really even dislike it all that much. Yeah, the voiceover wasn't to cover for lack of story. Exactly. Um, it actually added depth to the story. You know, like, it, it, it just enhanced it. And I also think it helped a lot with uh, with something that, honestly, I felt this movie... One of the only things that I thought could have been better was how it dealt with the passage of time, which is really complex mm. because it's already, like, a, it's already a crazy long movie. It's two and a half hours long. And we just, like, skip over stuff like Andy Dufresne being in solitary for two months. You know, there's yeah. just, like, one shot of that to which I'm like, that, you know, really interesting narrative beat. You know, um, mm-hmm. we could have had more time there. But I, I think that they were kind of in a hard spot because, like, on the one hand, it's kind of cool that we couldn't tell that much time passed because time would be a mind fuck in there. Right. In the yeah. same way that like time was a mindfuck for society in general in 2020 due to lack of novelty. You know, like our, our brains create these little milestones when we encounter something new or interesting or significant. And when your life is like working from home and watching YouTube, uh, your brain doesn't create those same milestones. And we all had a weird 2020. And so on the one hand, I like that it all just kind of seemed like it could have been happening over the span of a couple of months. Um, Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it did happen over a span of 20 years. And I could have like literally just seen the characters age a little bit more, or maybe their uniforms get tattered or updated or something. Yeah. Even like the warden got a haircut. That's like one of the only things. There's like like minimal aging done. Yeah. I feel like it's more de-aging than anything, but yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, because there is like the there's a scene when Andy's in the library and wearing glasses and he looks significantly older. And then in the next scene, he just goes back to looking like he's always looked. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all that goes to say, tying it back into voiceover. I think that having Morgan Freeman be able to say a couple months went by, you know, like or well, two years later, you know, like I, I really yeah. do think it helped. Uh, it helped keeping it from being disjointed and with like. Again, you said it, it's an airtight story over a two and a half hour movie. There's no wasted motion, and we kind of needed a little more to understand the context of when these events were occurring. Mm-hmm. 
it's like either make the movie four hours which no one wants do a title card of two months later all the time that's what i was about to say yeah or do a really awesome morgan freeman voiceover i pick morgan freeman voiceover he's right there he's he's right over here now when they asked me to do the voiceover i thought i'd cry within six minutes the first night of the voiceover somebody always cries for their mama well i would have pegged myself to cry through the okay i'm done you said he was right there you invited him i know i've used it as a chance to drink more beer i appreciate it we have cinema legend morgan freeman right here and you told him to shut up oh he's over here well, I didn't realize I was in the room with such a nice pair of podcasters. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. And they'd made this podcast for two years. <laughs> and like, whoa, 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 Morgan. Slow down, slow down. God, we what if so that many... sucked us into a time warp and it's 2023 and we're still talking about the Shawshank Redemption? There's My a... hard drive is full. <laughs> There's an alt canon of uh, that movie where Morgan Freeman is the force that makes time pass. It only passes if he said it passed. That's right. Or he's schizophrenic, and this whole thing was just like six months long. <laughs> That's why nobody aged. <laughs> yeah, Tim Robbins is like, no, I had like a jackhammer. You didn't hear that? <laughs> Morgan Freeman was doing like a night in jail for a DUI. <laughs> he's just super drunk. He's just down at the police station. He thinks the parking lot is the prison yard. <laughs> He's just throwing rocks like, Dufresne dropped these here. Like, Who's Dufresne, sir? Do you have someone you can call? <laughs> and the reason he keeps getting things is because... Uh... He keeps asking people for them, and they think he's a beggar, and so they go into the gas station next door and get him whatever he asked for. It's, it's a lot a of lucky strikes. Knows how to get things. <laughs> Just at the hardware store. Oh man, this is great. It's one of our best theories yet. One of our best theories yet. Um, the true like timekeeper, Morgan. Tweet it under the hashtag Infinite Biff Theory and tie it into our other time travel theory. We got a lot of time travel theories here <laughs> when we're talking yeah. about like only only one of these movies has had anything to do with time travel um hey yes getting back on the movie that this was a nice surprise this is a movie set in the 40s through the 60s ish mm-hmm. unless i'm remembering wrong we didn't hear any racial slurs oh shit if I'm wrong about that, please correct me, but I, I don't think we had a single N-bomb or you know, uh, other other ones. I don't remember any. I don't want to say I know for sure there weren't any, but I don't remember any. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain. Like, it towards seemed... the end, I was like, he was never referred to as anything other than Red. Yeah. It was one of the uh, only prison movies I've ever seen that didn't really have that much of a race component to it yeah like it didn't really Mm -hmm. focus or address race which i'm white yeah (laughs) on on the one hand yeah it doesn't really do what it's like to be in prison justice i suppose but Hmm. on the other hand i don't think i don't think the story needed it in this context really no not this really it was kind of like a third party account of a guy that was in and out of prison told over the span of like a 20 year span yes um 
for an early early to mid 90s drama i was expecting the soundtrack to be completely overbearing mm-hmm. it really wasn't it wasn't oh. like intrusive or anything the sound design was actually really really good in this movie i thought, I thought. so too i thought so too the sets were great the lighting was great costumes performances it was really great well made all the inta- all the tangibles i should say not in all the tangibles <laughs> all the tangibles yeah all the tangibles were pretty spot on two two things that i thought were really funny and charming was that when they introduced like one of the worst most awful characters in the movie the warden they referred to him as mr norton the warden and i thought he sounded like a dr seuss character <laughs> <laughs> um another was i thought it was really really cute the way that as soon as lights went out, all the prisoners started talking and making jokes, just like we did at summer camp when I was a kid. Dude, yeah, and then as soon as someone started getting too loud, shh, man. <laughs> I was the, like, shut up and go to sleep guy. Oh man. <laughs> We're gonna get in trouble. I was, a, a few times, the kid that got too excited and got a little loud and got us in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll bet you was, were. I'll, yeah, that's right. Oh, how our demeanors have changed. That's right. We're the inverse now. <laughs> I want to go to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, any other notes, Danny? What you thinking? Man, I just think at the end of the day, it was uh, it was a really cool movie about the importance of community and connection. That mm-hmm. we do poorly when we're isolated, and we do well when we're together. Beginning, middle, and end of humanity never met someone who does well in isolation in my whole life um and i just thought you saw like a really beautiful story about friendship is what i really saw you know like i mean primarily between dufresne and red but also just um you know dufresne in the community in general you saw mm-hmm. mentorship with uh, the greaser guy that comes in uh, that i thought was going to be useless and would be ended up being the key to everything which that's also something i really liked so i'm trying to remember his name but yeah go ahead i don't remember there were a couple times when i thought they were just like blowing their airtight structure essentially Mm -hmm. um i would like when uh when that one dickhead guard is like bitching about his inheritance and when like the greaser guy shows up random new characters super late in the game i was just like ah you just had to take a couple minutes to fuck around with something irrelevant right and then both of those things really ended up being really cool intentional setups to something that was very important yeah exactly um i felt the exact same way i was like okay like this kid that comes into prison he's gonna be like the resistance to something like Mm -hmm. he's going to be you know such an asshat that it's just gonna like ruin stuff and he's gonna be like the shoehorned in catalyst for a whole bunch of stuff and then he wasn't he was just he wound up being like a friendly character and then he he did wind up being the catalyst for the timing of everything at the end but none of it felt unnatural or out of place no way well and it was also something completely organic there's a new inmate there's a new inmate right like and he's just like a cocky young little shithead and there's this cool little like uh uh dufresne has found his peace he's found his place in the world and now yeah. he gets to mentor someone who was just a little bit too much like him and teach him the way you know like he's found mm-hmm. where he belongs um he's an elder statesman 
and you kind of think we're going that way with it and it's going to be this whole like i don't deserve to read you deserve everything type of conversation um don't you ever let them tell you that just because you're in here in this uniform that you can't have a better life you know like that's like where you think it's going Mm -hmm. and it completely pivots where like all that ged stuff was completely irrelevant um and just made it sadder that he was murdered uh to keep quiet but he was just the key to like andy becoming dissatisfied again because like he was like content in his place he knew he was innocent but nothing was ever going to change he found a way to make a life for himself in there that was actually considering the circumstances pretty cool you know and (laughs) um and was ingratiated to the warden got to run a business use his talents got to advocate for the people in there and then when he finds out that he actually has a legitimate way out through that character mm-hmm. and tries to advocate for it and sees that there is nothing legitimate you could possibly do they will lock you in here until you die mm-hmm. um and then that character gets killed and he loses his legitimate way out it actually completely blows his satisfaction and like ends up making the end of the movie happen which is just yeah. so damn cool yeah very solid um i only have like one or two more thoughts on it if you're kind of winding down on it i've got a couple more thoughts i uh i have a little philosophical diatribe to go on but i just went on one of those so i'll let you say some thoughts my turn all right uh I, I I think part of what makes this movie kind of back on the accessibility side of things, the spike in resistance and conflict happens about five minutes before the payoff that we've been building up to for the previous 80, 90 plus minutes, mm-hmm. right? So new prisoner kid, still can't remember his name, sorry. Uh, he gets shot and killed and it's clear that the warden i mean is going out of his way to keep dufresne imprisoned he's willing to do anything to keep him in there yeah and for you know the entire time before the movie there's like this building tension of like it seems like dufresne is up to something maybe planning something and he's like getting in close with the guards getting in close with the warden and Normally, in a story like this, that huge mountain of resistance that shows up is what causes the planning to start. Yeah. Right? Usually, you know, you get the character that does something awful, kind of has a turn that makes them the main obstacle, and then the main character has to start coming up with ways to get out of that situation or overcome that obstacle. But in this movie, they had been building up to it that entire time. So when the warden becomes like the insurmountable insurmountable obstacle, which he always was, but it never seemed as villainous. Mm -hmm. He shows the villainous side, but everything's already in motion. And we only have to wait like a few minutes for that mountain to get cleared. Yeah. So it's, it's a high tension and high stress situation that doesn't, make an audience feel like they're sitting through it for too long and they're getting a satisfying pay- payoff for the rest of the story it's it's kind of interesting the flow of that yeah no it was it was a weirdly paced movie and 
even when they like blew their big final reveal, it had all already happened. You know, mm-hmm. like it was all already over. And I thought that was a it was a smart choice to show us the shock of Andy being gone, especially with everyone the misdirect of thinking he killed himself. Right. And then break down how it happened. I thought that was really smart. Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah, no, it, the the pacing was strange, but it worked. Because at a certain point, it just kind of has this rhythmic flow. It doesn't really seem like we're building towards anything, right. you know. Like, but you like it. You're you just, just kind of you kind of get it, you know. It's like he, Morgan Freeman says, like prison is just about the routine, and you're kind of getting lulled into the routine. Yeah, you're not thinking about escape. You're not thinking about you know proving innocence or anything. But Dufresne's got that on his mind mm-hmm. the entire time. But we're lulled into what's going on the routines like everything just kind of the time passing by basically yeah so so he got us do you think dufresne was planning the escape the whole time i think maybe not the entire time he knows he's innocent he knows he wants to get out i think he probably was maybe not like the first 12 hours or so but like the next morning you see him uh at like the roll call or whatever the next morning he's like looking around and morgan freeman kind of looks over at him and i that kind of the way i read it is he's looking around to just like scope out the area so he knows he wants to get out i don't think he has like his plan solidified until like weeks later but like he's kind of formulating it in his mind from the beginning yeah i've got to think that he was making the plan and keeping his options open Mm -hmm. my impression and this is literally just a feeling and an interpretation based on inference i don't think he knew that he was actually gonna do it until they until they put him in solitary for two months and killed his only way of getting out legitimately yeah i think it kind of because like I wouldn't think that he, like, finally put the finishing touches on that tunnel right after he got out of solitary. You know, like, yeah, I've got exactly. to think that that was ready to go before that. He was just and, waiting for a stormy night and probably had, like, not much left to go yeah. besides that, right? Yeah. I've, it it kind of struck me, because, like, it's his whole demeanor changed. That was the only thing where you really saw, like, I mean, his character, like, was raped and kept going just yeah. didn't didn't react to it didn't really change as a person um and that was the thing that like truly created some external signs of change and despair and it seems yeah. like that's when it was like fuck it i'm getting out of here i'm going i wonder was he was the tunnel done and he had his way out and he just didn't want to like he had found his little community there do you think maybe he was able to leave at any point and he just kind of stuck around for a little bit a little while to kind of be with these characters it's, it might be kind of a stretch but it's hard to tell you know because he created that identity on purpose like it goes mm-hmm. back to like even morgan freeman's narration of i don't know why he got us all beers even though he doesn't drink i think it was just to feel normal for a day and it's like no it was to start a chain of events that would lead to him creating a false identity that he could get out of the country with. Yeah. And that was the first step in ingratiating himself to the guards and getting their guard down around him and displaying his utility to them. So they would let him do that. 
Yeah, um, exactly. He earned a lot of clout and just like simply. Yeah. I liked it. I and mean, he was waiting for an opportunity like that. Yeah. He's a, uh, you know, he's just insanely patient. He's the fly fisherman, you know? Like, I was about to say, he's got Michael Myers levels of patience. Yep. Silent alarm. <laughs> <laughs> now I want Donald Pleasance narrating Shawshank and talking about the psychology of Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Except reversed. It would be like, I spent then, 19 years working with Andy Dufresne. I spent the first 10 trying to keep him locked up and the next nine trying to make sure he broke out. <laughs> <laughs> and then swap it further where Morgan Freeman discusses Michael Myers. <laughs> when you meet a guy like Michael Myers in prison, well... All right, Denny. <laughs> Come on, that's Why a... Don't... That's a comedic present, or yeah, a comedic premise. There we go. Yeah, it is. Morgan Freeman narrates Halloween. Morgan Freeman is as Donald Pleasance, but it's just his character Red, um, <laughs> who was like the elder statesman inmate at the uh, at the insane asylum they had Michael at. Come on. Um, try to try to open his eyes with some cigarettes. I would sneak him. <laughs> <laughs> now imagining them all betting who's gonna cry first. And everyone's dressed normally, and Michael's just in his mask in a jumpsuit walking straight, and Morgan Freeman's like, that one. <laughs> He's going to cry tonight. <laughs> and just looks at him. <laughs> nope, not, probably not going to be him. Shaw Stab um, Redemption. Ah. There we go. No, I, I wanted to talk about existential philosophy really quick. Yeah, I was going to ask. So... Like, legitimately, it's not sarcasm. <laughs> no, yeah, well, no, it really came up for me in, uh, like, I really like existentialism. I practice it in therapy a lot of the time and with myself and my own personal growth. Um, existentialism has four givens, four things that you must come to terms with about life. Take notes. One is the given of death. Mm -hmm. This is unavoidable. Two is the given of freedom. That we are always responsible for our choices. Three is the given of isolation. That no matter how close you get to anybody, no one will ever know what it's like to be you. And you will never know what it's like to be anyone else. We've talked about that before on here. Yeah. yeah. And four is the given That's... of meaninglessness. That we are creatures who crave meaning in a universe that does not readily provide any. And we must make our own meaning out of that. Um, what I want to talk about specifically is the given of freedom, because existentialists would take it to the extreme and say that, like, even if you were locked in, like, Auschwitz in a Nazi concentration camp, you would still have the freedom of your internal perspective, that nobody could ever take that from you, that you are still responsible and free to take whatever perspective you want in those situations, um, and dealing with PTSD for as long as I did, I was super not on board with that one. Like, I was like, man, I am really fucking trying. I'm really fucking trying to exercise my freedom of my internal perspective. And I am just constantly triggered, constantly have invasive thoughts. And I just, I can't do anything about it. And I'm really putting forth the effort. Um, I don't feel free over my own mind. I don't feel free over my own perspective-taking abilities. I feel absolutely subjected to my mind doing what it wants to do, no matter how hard I try to redirect it. Um, 
I mentioned it to my therapist a couple weeks ago, and she was like, yeah, but you, like, had the freedom to keep doing your work on it. You know, like, you you might not have been able to completely change your perspective immediately, but you chose to use your freedom to keep working, and now I'm in a place of healing, and I can access that perspective-taking, and I was like, well, fuck. Didn't really see that. Um, The reason I bring it up is because this movie really struck me powerfully about... Dufresne's perspective taking like his given of freedom that he never once for a second let himself believe he was not free he mastered his internal world right um mm-hmm. and like and i think he, he he talks about that too really yeah he, he mentions like no matter you know where the i can't just i'm not even going to be close to what he says but he he talks about the freedom he has in here in his head like yeah. every like no one can take away your thoughts from you is it when he's talking about uh listening to music while he's in solitary um i think so but i feel like it was actually before that but yeah he he does yeah no and i just i thought it was really cool and even to the point that like you saw that like there was all this stuff about uh like most of the stuff that he did in the movie was part of the long con and part of the long end game. That library wasn't, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that library was something he did cause he loved it. And he wrote two letters a week, um, eventually. And just like, would not accept less just literally went like, Nope, I care about this. I want this place to be better. If Shawshank is going to be where I live, then I want to invest in it. And I want to treat it like I give a fuck about it. And even, like, all of his friendships with Red and all those other nameless inmates I don't remember that he was friends with, like... He didn't from the Sopranos. Yeah. He didn't utilize any of them in his plans. Like, those weren't manipulative, they weren't leveraged or bargained. He just made really close friends that he really loved while he was in there. He did his plans completely alone. Like, no one knew about them. And, I don't know, man. It was really cool. Yeah, and then Red was the only one that was maybe not used for it but he was utilized in his plans and he was handsomely um paid forward for that i guess yeah red helped him by getting him some stuff unknowingly and And, then yeah Dufresne took care of him in the end that smile at the end man when when he sees red walk up on the beach Uh, and he looks up from his boat and just tim robbins gives such a genuinely awesome smile like he'd been waiting the whole time for for him Oh, it was yeah dude i felt so happy with red's journey of like that first like the last rehabilitation monologue was badass as shit mm-hmm. um surprised it worked to be honest yeah um badass as shit then just like the the same journey as brooks the redemptive so was red carved into like i i felt mm-hmm. chills when he did that um you know just showed you two paths you can take and just like the importance of like close connections keeping us alive like he was like oh literally the only reason i didn't like kill myself or go back to jail was because i made a promise to dufresne Mm. like i promised him i'd go look under that rock yeah (laughs) um (laughs) so yeah that's pretty much all i had other than a stray thought that there was like a nice little nuance that i liked about oh wait no there's two there's two that i loved um tim robbins favorite passage from the bible andy's favorite passage to the warden mm-hmm. like, like a thief in the night that was mm. good foreshadowing 
Oh, yeah. That was just getting your dick out and saying, like, 20 years from now, I'm going to fucking own you. Mm-hmm. Remember this. <laughs> you know, like, which was great. <laughs> um, I just thought he also had a really nice little subtle part of his performance that I loved. Did you Did you notice how meek and slunched over, slouched over, he always was when he was talking to the warden? Um, he He completely changed his demeanor when he was talking to authority. And I think it mm-hmm. was like a, a very subtle thing about Andy Dufresne getting their guard down around, getting their guard down around him. I noticed it with the guards, maybe not so much the warden. I think he did it to kind of, cause you know, he's like nine, 10 inches taller than the warden. I think yeah. he kind of didn't want to be like towering Ooh. over him. That's what we call that's, the that's WWE probably... interviewer trick. <laughs> Force perspective yeah. from the Peter Jackson movie. The lovely bones. If you All ever right, see so... a wide shot of a WWE interviewers, their legs are spread really, really, really far. They're like almost doing the splits oh, to make themselves uh, shorter than the wrestlers, and they just shoot them from the weight up, waist up, so the wrestlers look huge. <laughs> I love it. It's cool. That's sports entertainment, baby. Boy, is um, it? We have a new gimmick this week, Denny. Yeah. Uh, this was my idea. <laughs> I love it. Uh, these are classic movies. They have classic scenes, stuff we've all heard of. Um, scenes that have been either parodied or referenced or just popularly discussed. Uh, but these movies also have scenes that are not discussed. So these are my... Well, our, sorry. These are our favorite non-classic scenes that you never heard about. Mm-hmm. Which, if you've seen it, you'll remember them possibly. But these are for Denny and I finding a scene in the movie that... We were just like, I hadn't heard about this one. This actually rules. I like this part. Yeah. Um, mine for the Shawshank Redemption is the guard being in uh, the rapist cell and beating the shit out of him. Ooh, that was fucking dope. It was like a enemy of my enemy is my friend moment. <laughs> you know, like exactly. <laughs> it was fucking cool. <laughs> like we know he's done this before. He's he's killed a man that. You know, as far as we can tell, definitely just didn't deserve it. Yeah. But then he uses that same aggression for not really a friend, but kind of doing what's sort of right from at least his perspective. Which also goes to show they could have done that all along if they just gave a shit. That's true. (laughs) That (laughs) was going on for a couple years, man. Um, Now that he helped you get 35 grand, we're going to do something about it. That guard was a great performance. Honestly, oh, yeah. a really underrated movie bad guy. Like, he was just such, like, a hateable dick to the point that if I, like, saw him do an interview, I'd still be like, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I fucking remember what you did to those men at Shawshank. Like, it would be hard for me to see him differently, which is uh, major props to his performance. Um, this one was a little harder for me because I, first of all, had already seen this movie. And yeah. as I've already recalled, uh, I had a little trouble remembering what was uh, spoiled and what wasn't. So what I went with was just the entire plot line with the warden um, and Andy doing his books and all that shit. That mm-hmm. was just something that I thought was really neat about the movie and was just a really, really great thread. And I just never heard anything about that anywhere in yeah. Shawshank Redemption. So it wasn't really a scene Again, because first of all, I'd already seen it, and I, I just, I don't know. I don't remember what scenes were spoiled and what weren't, but um, the, I, I went with the plot line with the warden. Is that allowed? Are we going to allow That's it? That's allowed, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm for it. 
What is your favorite line? My favorite line is from Dufresne's First Night in Prison, where the, uh, the kid's in the cabin. Uh, the prisoners are yelling, making their jokes, and the guards come in. And one of the prisoners shouts, You people run this place like a fucking prison. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I love it. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to give a runner-up. Because I actually have something to say. My, my favorite line is not as interesting as this, but this one is. My runner-up is, What is your malfunction, you fat barrel of monkey spunk? Yep. <laughs> Which was just such a fucking... The guard I, had some zingers. I appreciate a good Full Metal Jacket-style creative curse. That's that's <laughs> the vibe I got, too. Yeah. In a, in a world where everyone uses the same old, everyday curse words... Um, some people have the have the creativity to really uh really challenge the form and some men rise to the occasion yep where um, others middle and mediocrity <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a skill monkey spunk barrel monkey spunk, of monkey baby. spunk um now this is actually a line that i quote regularly and didn't realize it was from this movie that i swore was overrated and aggressively mediocre is um, it when Dufresne goes, boy, do I? <laughs> yes, it made a real impact on me. <laughs> no, it, w- it would be something I would say was like a therapeutic goal. I'd be like, man, I just want to put all this shit behind me and get busy living. I would say that organically all the time. Hmm. And it's absolutely from this movie, Get Busy Living or Get Busy Dying. Yeah. And for all I say about this being overrated, uh, that's clearly something that stuck with me that I say it in my most vulnerable moments. So, and it's also like something I think about a lot. I'm like, dude, you're doing a lot better now. You can get busy living. You don't have to like spend so much time tending to your mental health. You can like have fun. There's nothing important to do right now. Just have fun. Get busy living. I think it to myself all the time. So nice. That's, it's an iconic quote. I usually like to go with something a little outside the box, but I think, uh, the fact that it embedded myself itself in my subconscious shows that it's my favorite line, and I can't deny that. Yeah, I like it. That's a really good one. Yeah, I might I might start using it honestly. Yeah, dude. What uh, what's your Critiker score? Uh, mine was I almost read the wrong one. I almost spoiled my Rocky score. Uh, this is a thirty-four <laughs> out of forty. Thirty-four. Nice. nice. Um, definitely in the you know top level it's up there with some other really good movies um hype aside i think this is just a solid 90s drama solid Mm -hmm. flick solid performances really enjoyable really accessible excuse me uh yeah it gets an eight and a half out of ten very nice what about you i uh i bumped it up i had it at a 38 i might have even had it at a 37 which is like that's that was me being salty or contrarian or something i don't know yeah um i i bumped it up to a 42 42 out of 50 i think that's it's a pretty fair spot like mathematically we're basically identical that's i like when that works out and yeah anything higher than a 40 is a high compliment for me Mm -hmm. um that's saying it's not just some weird shit that i like this is like objectively really really good yeah. Um, weird shit that I like hangs out in the top in the upper thirties <laughs> usually, um, or stuff that I didn't really like but can't deny that it's like well done. That that's what the upper thirties are for. Mm-hmm. Forty and above is like this is pretty fucking great. So undeniably good, and I think so too. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, okay. I keep waiting to get seamless edited. <laughs> I've well, already... wait no more, because, baby, that's a seamless edit. You motherfucker. That's right. Um, oh. Stick around for all 15 rounds of that bout. Spirited, <laughs> spirited bout between the champion and the challenger. You know, the Greg. <laughs> gloves are on, and the gloves are off. They're fighting. Two men really throwing at each other the business. My hands have been raised this whole time. <laughs> I didn't. Denny, want... save me. I didn't want to beat you to the seamless edit, Greg. I knew I couldn't. You're the best in the world at it. I just wanted to go the distance. Oh shit! You can, nice. Can you put your hand? Was that a good enough that you can put? Yeah, your I hands can put down? my hands down. Okay, cool. <laughs> my hands. Oh. You know, Greg, you know why I took away your locker? Yeah, yeah, what was, was that, Diddy? Because you could have been a world-class seamless editor, but you settle for just sitting there with your hands up. Well, you know, uh, you, you're giving me a lot of options here for seamless edits, you know. It's, it's, hey, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He says you know a lot. It sucks. Yeah, I was going to say, Greg, you're speaking way too clearly for that to be a good story. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. Try to mumble a little bit more and slur your words. And add yeah, just yeah. a little bit of Gary Busey. My jaw was just a little too tight. You no, know? just you know, my lips were touching each other. It's a problem, you know. Gonna walk back. Hey, woo, 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 woo. easy there, easy there, champ. Man, Greg. Uh, right. So, if you haven't figured out now, we're here to talk about the Sixth Sense, um, a movie set in Philadelphia. How's that for a twist, M. Night? How you like that? How you like that? Uh, <laughs> no, we're gonna do Rocky for real. <laughs> the modern Shyamalans of the podcast. Oh, uh, Greggy boy. boy! Yeah, we're we? here to talk about Rocky. Nineteen seventy-six is a sports classic that spawned a bunch of sequels and then like a spin-off series of sequels. Um, Denny, this was your pick, buddy. Yeah, my bad. Uh, go ahead and summarize it for us. Um, Sylvester Stallone plays a boxer named Rocky Balboa who uh, owns two turtles and wants to bang a woman who works at a pet store. Um, he responds to this by uh, aimlessly meandering around the city for hours and hours and hours on end and mansplaining cursing to some random kid. Uh, and then uh, he... <laughs> It's very directionless, and there's a lot of just, like, sad, meandering rambling as he just wanders about the streets of Philadelphia in a fucking fedora. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of characters that have no reason to be in the movie, like Polly. Uh, I don't really think his coach did much either. And uh, then um, there's a really cool monologue from the world champ Apollo Creed where he talks about monetizing sentimentality and uh, race relations. And uh, he's, since he can't get a fight with anyone else, he wants to make some money and he comes up with a really cool narrative uh, about, uh, about some random Jamoke getting a shot at the world champ. It's a classic pro wrestling premise. And I believe that this stuff absolutely happens in MMA and boxing. Cause it's about money, baby. Um, Rocky has some self-doubt. He does get to bang that pet store lady and turns out he really loves her. Um, and, uh, 
and then he's like i can't do this and then he thinks about it for a minute and is like wait i can do this um and he goes on to have the fight and he does not win the fight but he goes the distance and makes it a i guess a, a judge's decision i don't know a lot about boxing was it down to points because he didn't get yeah. knocked out he kept fighting to the end and he still yeah. lost but it was a moral victory yeah so that yeah. was kind of cool yeah 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 what's your uh what's your relationship yeah. with uh with rocky greg what do you i know the song it's in my head now it was in my head when i started watching the movie it's an iconic um, song um uh I, I hadn't seen i said at the top of the episode i haven't seen any of these movies so this is my first time watching this I have seen none of the Rocky movies, not even the ones with Michael B. Jordan, which apparently is, th those are actually kind of good. So I mean, we'll I, get around to that now that I've seen the original. I do like Michael B. Jordan. Um, I, didn't, I do like Carl Weathers. We'll get into that. We'll I, get into that. I, I have a little interesting tidbit about that from my personal perspective. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I never felt a need to watch this movie. I was always like, I'm kind of a movie guy. This is an American classic that everyone in the world has seen and has influenced pop culture a lot. I should probably watch it eventually, and it just never felt like an urgent priority. Um, I just, I don't really like boxing. I don't really like boxing movies. Uh, I almost picked Raging Bull for this, because that's a Scorsese De Niro boxing movie that looks kind of mm -hmm. cool and kind of artful. Um, that might go on my movie list next year. Um, this, uh, I haven't seen that one either. Yeah, I just I just don't really care about boxing. Like I wasn't like not watching it in protest. It was just like a, I just don't have a high level of motivation to watch it. And this is as good of reason as any when you've missed out on a classic. So here we are. Here we are, not feeling like we were really missing out. Um, yeah. Oh no, this is what I wanted to say, and this is why I texted you about it. Um, I watched this after a long day at work. I was like, okay, cool. I'll come home. I'll take down my Halloween decorations, and then I'll watch Rocky. That's a pretty good night. Um, this is how you transitioned into not Halloween season? Yeah. I honestly wouldn't have made the movies in time if I couldn't watch The Sixth Sense on Halloween because I only watch spooky movies while uh, while the decorations are up. So thankfully, we did choose one horror movie because I just wouldn't have made it. I would have watched something else that night. That's right. <laughs> so That's when I watched it too, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Long story short, I'd already had a long day. I was really tired from, uh, instead of really resting after our big Halloween party, Vanessa and I went to your house and watched Community and made a podcast, which was awesome. Um, but we, we Find it on YouTube. Yeah! We were both exhausted on Monday. And then taking down the, the Halloween decorations took way, way longer than I thought it would. And so it's like 9.30 at night, I'm double exhausted, and I'm sitting down to watch a two-hour movie about boxing. So I texted you to check my negativity bias, because I knew I was in a bad mood, you know? And I was like, am I watching this wrong? Like, am I, is the screen upside down? Like, what am I doing wrong? I texted you and was like, Greg, am I crazy, or does Rocky kind of suck? um that's not what you said what you did i said, say is it is it just me or does rocky fucking suck <laughs> um i want to make sure that people knew that am i crazy or does rocky fucking suck um and i said i think so because i think at that point i was maybe like 30 40 minutes in yeah i did think before before we just shit all over it um the second half of the movie was a lot better 
I thought. Oh, yeah. Like, it, this it, is... they bounce back. It's not a piece of shit. This is a tale of two movies, man. The first hour are a struggle to get is a struggle to get through. Yeah. Like it is harsh, especially in 2021 when you understand like women have thoughts and are people. <laughs> and then the second hour is a mostly enjoyable like sports movie. Yeah, I thought so too. Setup. Yeah. A relationship that <laughs> started really shitty like turns out really kind of nice and wholesome and in the end he's got like a you know support of a loved yeah. one he's doing all his boxing stuff he's training he's having his ups and downs in terms of confidence and then he just kind of lays it all out there and yeah. overcomes it all right they, so they the sixth sense of... <laughs> we're done we're done <laughs> they say a lot of great relationships begin with uh uh with date rape <laughs> Oh, I wait. have heard that. Dude, no, like, I thought Decker and Blade Runner was rapey. His approach to Adrian is, like, unfucking comfortably rapey, man. Dude, Rocky being a replicant would make some sense. That's but, true. Dude, I had, like, I had, like, a bunch of notes, and 80% of it is from the first hour. Um, I wasn't going to comment on 90, 1976 gender roles, but... Oh, wait. You no, can't ignore them, man. They were egregious in this movie. She said, like, no, I have to go home, like, three times, and he was still like, yeah, come on. Well, he inside. literally blocks the door and stoops over Once her. she's inside. Yeah. He, like, doesn't let her leave, gets his muscles out, and, like, leans over her and then says, I want to kiss you. You don't have to kiss me back if you don't want to, but I want I to think kiss you. you. And I was like, that's called rape, Mr. Balboa. That's called rape, sir. I think, I think you are pretty. <laughs> You're in my apartment. I am entitled to sex with you whether you want it or not. Yeah, I guess we're just knocking this scene out of the way first. I, it's, I, I needed to get to it. it yeah, was it's fine. Unfucking believable. She's like, I gotta go home. And he's just like, he guilts her into coming inside yeah I'll, I'll say manipulates 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 her into coming inside um also it's... like her brother psychologically abuses her into going on the date yeah and then rocky just like has asked her out a lot and she's been like i'm not interested in this repeatedly he's like he's like flirted and then now he's like straight up saying like today's the day let's go on a date kind of it was most definitely it was thanksgiving it was rough man her brother threw the turkey into the alley and said like now you got no excuse to stay it I was worked hard on that that shit was fucking abusive man fuck you that was abusive that was, was horrible and we were like intended to feel good about it uh yeah the less comfortable she felt the less comfortable the audience felt i guess maybe not at the time and this is, it's a mindset that I, I'm afraid has carried over to today where, hey, if a woman is saying no or rejecting your advances, it's only because she's shy. Yeah. Don't think that people, <laughs> men, people interested, like someone not being interested in you is not because they are shy it is because they are not interested in you when they are plainly stating i want to leave i don't feel comfortable it's because they want to leave and they don't feel comfortable yes please respect that 
And also, when your apartment <sighs> is literally, like, you can't be anywhere in it that there's not trash. Like, he's like... He set some newspapers up for her on the couch that to sit on. Ridiculous. That was ridiculous. And he's, nice. like, casually lounging on top of empty beer bottles. Like, because you just can't put your arm down anywhere and have it not be on garbage. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> like... <laughs> It would be a very different scene if we were supposed to relate to Adrian, but we were supposed to relate to Rocky. Like, we were supposed to be like, ah, look at him, getting it done. And I was just like, don't fucking tell me I'm supposed to like this. Don't fucking tell me I want to be this guy and want to root for him. He's like, literally raping a woman. Yeah. And before anyone says anything, guys... Coerced consent is not consent, and there is such a thing as non-violent rape. And this was it. If you don't believe me, steal my files. Talk Violate HIPAA. I fucking spend every day helping people heal from shit like this. Every mm-hmm. day of my life. This is fucking awful and traumatic, and I'm not, like, soapbox virtue signaling. I'm just standing and screaming, What the fuck was that? The end. The end. Alright. Um, that's the most problematic scene of the movie. Uh, you want to hear the second It'd be a pretty most... rough movie if there was one more problematic than that, where the protagonist have a... rapes someone and it's portrayed as a good thing. That's our hero. <laughs> um, I have a second most unsettling one. It's uh, when he's lambasting that 13-year-old girl about not using bad language and needing to find a nice man and settle down or everyone's gonna think she's a whore walking alone with her on city streets at night yeah it's just taking her home but she does end the whole conversation after she's been lectured about needing to she's 13 again maybe younger 13 is at maximum yeah um she gets lectured about uh, her role as a woman and what she has to do in life from a single guy in his early 30s anyways uh, dude <laughs> it was brain damage but was... she does she ends the conversation by saying screw you creepo gives him a little gesture and we never see her again yeah and then the appropriate he... response and all of that existed not for him to learn any lesson about like how that was inappropriate behavior but for him to just like shadow box away into the night and be like, maybe I am a creepo. Who am I to give advice? Hey. God. One, two, three. Oh, those were some rough fucking scenes. Like, I can. There is a. There's a difference between unexamined bias and active misogyny. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we talked about it with Get Out regarding racism. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, sometimes when I watch an older movie, I'm like, I can see that they were unaware. Not that it was ever okay, but I'm just not going to get all bent out of shape about this because it already happened. It's not happening now. It's over. And me getting upset about it doesn't really change the fact that they did that. not okay thing you know like Mm -hmm. and yeah uh, this was egregious man this was well you know you know who wrote the movie yes 
Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Um, he, in order to portray himself as a hero, he made himself this kind of guy. Jesus. But but <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> that was for, that was forty five years ago. Yeah, well, I watched it. Two he days wasn't ago. this. <laughs> he wasn't this way in the Expendables. So maybe some growth has happened. The Expendables really showed his growth as a person. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know what? I want to talk about Stallone's writing. Have you seen First Blood? Uh, is now I'm confused. It's, is that one of the sequels for Rambo? It's, is that the, it's first the original one? Rambo. The original Rambo. Yeah. Okay. Because the second one was Rambo, Rambo First, Blood, First two. Blood Part 2. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's right. Go ahead. Um, have you seen First Blood? No. I think it's the best action movie ever made. Ooh. And Stallone wrote that too. And it, it's incredible. That's what he needs to be writing. Yeah. Action movies. Movies where he's not the moral hero yeah he needs to be the action hero definitely which he is for the second half of this movie yes that's why that part's good yeah continue your point please i want to say something nice about his writing please completely unrelated to these things that we've brought up mm -hmm. both in first blood and rocky these like guy flicks i don't have a personality and i'm emotionally constipated so i like guy stuff that's my personality rocky and first blood i was very surprised to see how well he addressed some aspects of toxic masculinity in those movies that yeah. he has his very muscled up war hero slash boxing hero world champ ass muscled up meatheads and he explores their self-doubt and their vulnerability and their difficulties asking for help um and that's actually something I really appreciate and didn't expect about Stallone's writing. It's just not what you'd think you'd get having not seen those movies until, you know, like 2021. I saw both of them in 2021, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> nice. um, and I really was impressed in First Blood and in Rocky just about, like, um, something that I think really encouraged and rewarded male vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Not excusing the literal rape. Like don't yeah, we're talking we're talking about the second part of the movie now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. But just really showed like a man showing weakness and reaching out to supportive others and wrestling with who am I? You know, like that's it's really not something that even today we really get in much cinema. You know, like it's either like a it's either like a Jason Siegel sad boy comedy that I love because I'm a Jason Siegel sad boy. Um, you, you just don't really see it in these, like, really macho movies. And to me, I like it because it's something that, like, it gives a lot of those super macho guys permission. You know, like, normalizes the vulnerability and normalizes the it's okay to show weakness. And I don't know, man. I just really, I appreciate that about Stallone's early works. I really do. Yeah. And that was a scene, I, I know which scene you're talking about for Rocky. And it's kind of a surprise that it happens um in this and in first blood especially given like the reputation of these two movies um yeah i thought it was really nice like their relationship is built on quicksand mm -hmm. aka rape but like he's reaching out within his relationship like kind of opening up and becoming more vulnerable and i thought it was a really nice scene like 
at a certain point, I kind of found the relationship charming once I was able to kind of separate the two. Because I, I watched yeah. this movie in two chunks. I watched like the first 45, 50 minutes, and then I watched the rest uh, later on during the day. So I'm kind of able to emotionally separate the two. Yeah. Uh, segments of the movie pretty well well you got to understand that in the plot of the movie they weren't writing it they 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 treated it like meat cute you know like mm-hmm. they treated that like it was just their first time making love and they wrote the rest of the movie like that was normal it doesn't work this way when you rape someone <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't in real life it doesn't go on to become a supportive and vulnerable relationship you fucking traumatize that person you yeah. wound them for the rest of their life um and it can be healed but you'll never be the same you know like it, you permanently change someone's life when you do that to them um that's not what happened in this movie because they didn't treat it like that in real life, it would never work that way. But it did. Uh, it was portrayed as like after that, a pretty cool relationship. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad it got there and didn't just like stay terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Conflicting feelings about this movie. Um, it's dichotomous I, feelings about this movie for me, man. Yeah, like, very much. It, 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 conflict is an understatement for me. Like I'm just yeah. like. There's some parts where I'm like, this is the most stupid, horrible, offensive, morally reprehensible bullshit I've seen in my life. And there's other parts where I'm like, hey, that actually, I think, might have brought some healing to a toxic culture. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, you want to just like barrel through like all the more lighthearted notes? Yeah, let's do it. I feel like we've got the heavy stuff more or less mm-hmm. out of the way. And... <laughs> All the heavy stuff had nothing to do with the boxing. Um, Were you expecting more boxing? I was expecting a lot more boxing in this movie. Even more boxing training. I I was expecting like two montages, not just the one. You know, the one is the famous one. Yeah. And I said like only an egomaniac would write the script with this kind of montage. Wait a second. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was... For your sports movie, even with all the boxing... Okay, I don't care about that. Um, his his coat rack and his hat rack at his house. Mm-hmm. It is a machete stuck in the wall, and he hangs his hat on like a knife stuck in the wall. I didn't even it's notice either that. A, it's either a Rambo reference. It couldn't be because Rambo cause hadn't happened yet. I was about to ask. Then in that case, that doo-wop trash fire gang outside of his apartment is actually more dangerous than they let on what do you mean dude the reason they do the doo-wop is because they're the pecan sandies they want the they want the parents to let the kids bop with them (laughs) that might have been my favorite part of the movie was the doo-wop street gang dude (laughs) just like hanging around a trash fire I'm I'm dancing. You, you guys can't see. Sorry. Don't believe um, him. He was farting. Just listen to the audio. That's the chair. Sure, it it's, was your chair, Greg. It's the chair. That was Dude, your chair. That's another thing too. Is he he goes around the city, and he's just there's always like a group of four guys or more just hanging out, and he's friends with every group. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, a group of four different people every single time. It's always different people. Yeah. And he just walks up, he's like, hey, what's going on? Ah, Rocky, what's up? We're in Philadelphia. Or whatever. 
and like he's friends with everybody mm-hmm. no matter where he goes in the city he knows them all he'll say hello to the stevedores and then shake one of them down for <laughs> money <laughs> like, it's it's super weird dude it's just such a like he's <sighs> a strength of first blood is that sly stallone talked less <laughs> yeah he's always just going on about god <sighs> knows what stupid bullshit making small talk with adrian about losing his locker <laughs> just god that locker meant way too much to him <laughs> that was his least trash riddled piece of real estate on this planet and it got all got thrown in a laundry bag and he's pissed Ooh, man he's mad It's got to all go back to his trash heap. Oh, at least his turtles have a nice enclosure. At least his turtles are well kept. That was my favorite thing about him for the first hour and Cuff 40 and minutes of this movie was having two pet turtles that he cared about and had conversations Oh, I, was, with. I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say the fact that he yells at every animal he comes across. <laughs> Oh my god. He's, he spends 30 minutes just shouting at dogs and birds. <laughs> I think he thinks they're people. <laughs> oh, dude. You could make a really solid case for Rocky Balboa being, like, <laughs> not all there. I don't want to I don't want to be yeah. offensive or demeaning in any way, but, like... Yeah, and I really don't want to minimize, like, head trauma... And no, the effects yeah. on people not in any way but when you're yelling at a dog <laughs> like your old pals he just seemed shouting to just like constantly be inappropriately responding to stimuli <laughs> like just like 24 7 just like <laughs> just something was wrong with the computing and processing part of his brain i don't know like he just seems you mean the entire purpose of the brain yeah uh, it also dumps a lot of like emotional hormones into you to keep you alive but hell yeah that's my shit um i live i live on that stuff like yeah he's always like moving like he's he does a lot of backwards walking yeah and like then he like reaches into his pocket and pulls out like a bouncy ball and he's bouncing that like he's just he's always shuffling and doing stuff and like saying extra words like he's ah i feel like we could have cut he's hard to watch we could have cut 40 minutes out of this movie if someone just gave him a fidget spinner and let him entertain himself (laughs) when i had to keep wandering around looking for shit to yell at he was just like so adrian i think we should go on a date sometime i realize it's thanksgiving (laughs) holy shit You know, I'm having some confidence issues about my upcoming fight with Mr. Apollo Creed. <laughs> Greg's pantomiming oh. a fidget spinner. <laughs> so oh. He's just <laughs> flicking it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... It fixed him. <laughs> Too bad they weren't around back then. Yeah. Um, here's a here's a fun little a fun little tidbit. I had no idea that carl weathers was apollo creed dude i think i might have known i it's been long long forgotten for me if i ever knew that 
I knew the name Apollo Creed. I knew he's Rocky's nemesis. Um, mm-hmm. I like. I can't believe I never knew Carl Weathers was Apollo Creed. Like I saw his name in the opening credits, and I was like, "Oh shit, Carl Weathers is in this." And yeah, then, I was like, like, "Is he his trainer?" Like, yeah, like, oh, <laughs> holy shit, he's he's Apollo. I never I he... knew. Yeah, that's how I felt. Like, I really thought, like, because I hadn't seen, I didn't, I knew there's like a training montage. Yeah. I thought Carl Weathers was like a trainer yeah. or something. Well, I think like it's because our generation knows him from Happy Gilmore and Arrested Development, in which he is a coach. In both Just of those, those two things. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not in Predator or anything. God, he's so fucking good in Predator. He's so awesome. I love Carl Weathers, man. I love Carl Weathers. It is kind of weird that, like, he went from being, like, such an action hero guy to, like, this, like, self-aware kind of comedy guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, he sees just jacked out of his mind throughout the 70s and 80s. To the point that it's, like, jarring, because I always knew him as, like, dad bod Carl Weathers, you know? Yeah, and you're just, you see him in Predator giving Schwarzenegger, like, a hand handshake, and yeah. you're just like, holy shit, this guy's mm-hmm. built. Mm-hmm. Which I guess, I don't even know that he has a dad bod. I just always see him in sweater vest and long sleeves. He might still be cut under there and they just wanted to humanize him for the purposes of the role. What do I know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Lance Reddick with a sweater vest. I love him. Um, I really, really liked the Apollo Creed character while we're on it. Yeah, dude, I... He was great. Uh, In the final scene, I made the note, Creed would have been a good wrestler. Yes. Yes. What did you like about his character, though? I first of all liked that, like... I, I liked that he understood the business aspect of boxing. That he's like, yeah. I'm trying to promote this. And so, like, Vanessa didn't watch the first half of this with me. and she's, That's good. She, yeah. <laughs> she saw, like... Uh, she saw... She came in when they were, like, promoting a big 4th of July... Uh, 4th of July, America, greatest country in the world... Carl Weathers is doing like the land of opportunity speech. Um, it's it's like it's New Year's. It's the tricentennial, so it's nineteen seventy six. Gotcha. So like the whole the whole year is like an America celebration. Right, right. That's that's why it's so hyped up with that yeah. theme. So but, yeah, she, go ahead. she came into him talking about America being the land of opportunity and what a great country it is, and she was like, "Is this one of those like annoying patriotism movies?" And I was like, "Actually, one of the only like really cool parts about this movie so far." is that they actually, like, showed a really cynical approach to that side of marketing. That, like, he had the whole discussion mm-hmm. about... Like, I loved the the monologue where he's like, think about it. Like, um, like a, a nobody in the land of opportunity gets a shot at the world champion. I like that. You know why? Because I'm sentimental. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are sentimental, and they'll pay mm-hmm. for it. And then he's like, and by the way... The Italians founded this country and enslaved my people. What a better way to celebrate our nation's greatness than me kicking an Italian's ass. Like, <laughs> he basically boiled it down to that. You know, like, it was just really cool to show, like, uh, to show the, 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 the capitalistic cynicism behind what he was doing. Um, mm-hmm. And that he had, he had all the showmanship. You know, like, it was such a cool line when... Um, one of his one of his people like one of his entourage i suppose they didn't really say mm-hmm. what the guy's role was um is just like dude you're fucked like you like you know that this is a show and rocky thinks it's a fight 
Like yeah. you're, yeah. this is bad news, man. He's you're it's you're you trying to like promote something, fighting. and this dude's coming to kick your fucking ass. Like you better start fighting. Like change your mindset now. Yeah, that that was really cool. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Because he was the only one paying attention. Like when Rocky was doing the news story on TV, yeah, he's like, "Hey, you might want to take a look at this guy real quick." He's like, "Ah, no, that's fine." Well, no, and it, it subverted my expectations because I like right then rocky's showing his training technique right and i was like Mm -hmm. you idiot why are you doing this on tv like you're giving away your strategy and i thought that like apollo creed was going to be like oh shit now i have to counter counter that and he was Mm -hmm. and then instead he was like ah who gives a shit you know like he doesn't even care rocky's giving away his training methods and his strategies and apollo's just not taking it seriously at all and i was like that is not what i expected and that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was, that was pretty well done. See, I I saw that, and I was, like, like at a different step where I was like, oh, Apollo ignoring this means he's going to lose the fight. Yeah. Not quite. But it was closer than he would have liked. Oh, uh, so see. Lessons I, still learned. Yeah. Something I, I was thinking sports movie tropes. Sure. Something I did not, have spoiled for yeah. me is that Rocky doesn't win the fight. Okay. So that's probably I think, why I had a different perspective. I think I knew that, but I, I forgot going in. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, it's whatever. While we're on that meat locker training, are we supposed <laughs> to read into it that uh, Polly asked him if he's having sex with his sister, and instead of responding, Rocky just starts beating some meat? Was that supposed to mean no? <laughs> Was that supposed to mean no, I'm not? I'm beating my meat instead? Uh, Denny, what's your favorite? <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil my second favorite line, but I I like I like that you got that. Um. Yeah, man. I don't really have that much. I I took a lot of notes over this, and I think it's because I was pretty bored. Um, yeah, that's fine. Not a lot of them really seem worth saying. I thought it was really fucking funny that they showed Tempo magazine instead of Time magazine. Yeah. Oh my god. I was like, is that a like a supposed to be like Time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was funny. There were there were a couple things that were really good bait and switches for me. Um, like one of my notes is when Rocky comes out, I was like, why the fuck are they playing like C tier circus music for this fight? Like. Can I get some fucking pageantry? And mm-hmm. then Apollo comes out, and I was like, oh, shit. That was yeah. an intentional juxtaposition. That was pretty neat. Dude, um, his whole walk into the ring is why I said that Creed would have been a good, uh, good wrestler. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Their fight had perfect wrestling match structure, by the way. Um, Ooh. Yeah, you get the shine up a baby face, cut him off. The bad guy gets some heat. Give him a couple hope spots baby face blows a comeback and you go to the finish perfect structure they crushed it were you also kind of hoping that the ring girl would have kept holding up larger and larger numbers (laughs) (laughs) 47 round round 80 and there's like two people left in the audience (laughs) no one told rocky that there was no time limit and he was like i just want to go the distance it doesn't understand it it'll go on forever if he doesn't stay down (laughs) he doesn't understand the rules of boxing because he's never lasted this long yeah Uh, he's never never made it this far and doesn't know what to do it's like uh it's like asteroids or some shit and he's just like let's keep going yeah um 
Jim Jim Cornette is a uh, a shithead wrestling commentator who says a lot of fucked up stuff, but has a good mind for wrestling business. But their their fight really made me think of something he says about wrestling psychology and David versus Goliath type matches, um, where there's just something in us, right? Let's say you're like you're walking down the street across the street you can't hear what they're saying you see a big guy just berating a small guy and just keeps berating him and keeps berating him and eventually the small guy just starts like shoving the big guy and shoving him and you're gonna be like yeah kick his ass kick Mm -hmm. his fucking ass and like for all you know the small guy like kidnapped his son you know like you but you but like no context we just have this fucking we want to see the underdog overcome inherently you know what i'm saying yeah and yeah i just thought the fight really played well to that yeah most definitely uh luckily carl weathers didn't kidnap anybody yeah that was that was very cool of him that we know of yeah (laughs) what was the i don't know (laughs) what was the fucking point of uh of the character polly to have a sister we didn't need it we need adrian we met Adrian before we met Polly. No, 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 no. Polly's a friend. Adrian works come. at a pet store. He didn't have to have a connection. There was... He needs an inn. He needs an inn at the Dead Cow Factory. No, he doesn't. Just say yes, yes, yes. I'm challenging yes, the world yes. champion, and I need a place to quietly beat my meat. Anyone would let you in. Hello, sir. I'm famous, and I'd like to beat my meat in your freezer. It's always worked for me. You know what? Uh, if you prefer it, I'll beat your meat. I just need to beat some meat in a freezer to get ready for a fight. The hero of the city. Um, yeah, you want to just dive into gimmicks because I'm done with Rocky? Um, not before I give a shout-out to Buckus Stallone, who was credited for his role as Dog. Oh, that's his dog. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of nice. That's why he's yelling it was, at him so It was loud. one of the last things in the credits. It was cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, my last note is nothing like coming home from a fight and turning on your elevator music in your apartment. <laughs> Just to unwind. Just to unwind. Greg, what's your uh, what's your favorite non-spoiled scene? Watch the YouTube video, guys. Yeah. Uh, my favorite non-classic scene that I hadn't heard about. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read it as I have it written here. It's pretty early on in the movie. Uh, the guy playing pool, firing the cue ball into the stratosphere right before Rocky hits up the guy in the bathroom using a four-inch corner of a broken mirror to ask if he can get a hand in dating his sister. <laughs> I'll reiterate what I recently said. Mm-hmm. What was the point of Polly being in this movie? What was the point of that character? Somebody's gotta force the shy girl out into the cold street with a strange boxer. I suppose. <laughs> I kept. I suppose. Even when he's like, "Hey, I know we've been through some shit, but I think I could make some money off you. I can market you." And Rocky's like, "Okay, okay." And it just doesn't. Like it never goes anywhere. No, he puts the uh, the meat company on his on his robe. Wow! That he walks in on. Now that and he makes like, he says he makes like three grand off it. That's a lot for these these 
these guys, you know, they're scraping by. Sure. The movie said it, Denny. I'm not defending it. I did <laughs> just notice, telling you what the movie told me. I did notice the meat thing on the back of his robe, and then the advertising didn't work so hot. What do you want from me? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I said and say I noticed that it was there, and I don't remember Polly explaining that he's the one that did it, and I was totally fine with it, and I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. So I'll reiterate what I said. What was the point of Polly? Because I literally missed his only purpose and thought that everything he affected in the movie still made perfectly fine sense. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. <laughs> okay. We, I, I just wanted to offer a counter-argument. We spent a lot of and time... And I'm out of them. <laughs> we spent a lot of time with an utterly useless character, is all I'm saying. Oh, he, he sucked, too. Yeah. And he just, like, get drunk and fly off the handle. He was an abusive asshat. Like, fuck he him. He sucks. Yeah. And then he's like, friends, next scene. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Denny, what's your you favorite know how guys non-classic... Are. We can just psychologically abuse our sisters and put them into the arms of a rapist and just be fine with it the next day. It's guys. We forgive each other. We're not complex like women. We just get over it. Boys will be boys. Uh, Denny, what's your favorite non-classic scene that you hadn't heard about? Um, other than Carl Weathers being in this, which every scene he was in was my favorite part of the movie... Um, that's right i'll actually go with the sad climbing of the iconic stairs that we got before the big ones um <laughs> i was waiting for him to throw up <laughs> yeah but that was actually kind of a cool moment knowing where it's going um that honestly having having the montage spoiled for me was uh made that made that a little bit better yeah because you're like this guy just swallowed five raw eggs yeah he's like he's is, did he throw up in the fountain and that was just not shown or what <laughs> he did the uh but, he did the gaston workout he <laughs> just listened to beauty and the beast <laughs> followed it to a t <laughs> no one drinks eggs like gaston i want to be roughly no the size of a barge <laughs> <laughs> oh my god denny what was your favorite line from Rocky? Ah, fuck. Um, yeah. Let me look. I wrote a couple down. Oh, wait, no. I, I, know it, yeah. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I think he knows it. Yo, Adrian. You hungry? <laughs> because it made me laugh so hard because of how, how famous Yo, Adrian, I did it is. <laughs> when he walks into his apartment and he goes yo adrian you hungry i like almost burst out laughing it's like <laughs> he delivered it almost like it was a joke there was like a pause like he was trying to misdirect you <laughs> that's a solid one man what about you greg uh, uh i already mentioned i had a runner-up which was uh the during the news interview in the meat freezer do other fighters pound raw meat <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but my favorite line was Rocky asking his, uh, by the way, like, not really that critical criminal boss that he's, like, shaking down people for money for. Yeah. Not really that impactful, that guy. I was waiting for him to be, like, a, whatever. That's enough talking. No, but again, Anyways, he, a bunch he of fucking him, meandering for no reason. He's got to find somebody in Del Rio, and he says, hey, how, he says this twice. Hey, how do you use spell Del Rio? That, I, that was Which close for me. I wrote that one the, down. The easiest thing to spell. God. 
if he had trouble with that, I imagine the rest of the words he wrote down also were misspelled. Yeah, I'd imagine He's, so. Uh, all right, Denny. Wait, did are we done here? Did he even say "Yo, Adrian, I did it" in this movie? I didn't catch it. I was waiting for it. Uh, I know they say "I love you" after the fight's done. Yeah, I guess that's in like Rocky Two. I or think something. he he might have said "I did it." I don't know. He's like, I went the distance or whatever. I, I didn't hear it, and I was looking for it, but I thought maybe I zoned out. Um, yeah, I, I spaced for that. Um, what's, your, what's your Critiker score? I gave this one a 26 out of 40, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's fine. Mostly passing. I, um, if it carried on like it did for the first half, it would be like a 15. Yeah, oh. But it, it, it got significantly better. Without a doubt. Um, but that beginning is just such a slog to sit through, man. I, I gave it a 37 out of 50, um, okay. which is what I said recently. Of, It's a beloved movie that has some redeeming aspects that I don't really like very much. Um, it was headed for like a hot take of somewhere in the 20s, maybe lower. Yeah. It was headed for it, man. It, uh, it got a making got a good movie montage and became better at the end well and i think it says right. a lot about it that like I, I specifically noticed that i was like i went from like truly shocked that this was so bad to the point that i doubted my own perceptions and assumed it must be because i was in a bad mood to watch it mm -hmm. to like really actually getting excited when he's hitting his comeback on creed you know like i was yeah. like i think that oh, yeah. that says a lot that i was like how often do you hate a movie and have it turn around? That's pretty rare. How often do you, like, get bad vibes and it turns out okay? That's pretty yeah. rare. It's like, I know you don't like boxing movies, but the boxing was the best part of this boxing movie. Yeah, this wasn't a that boxing was movie. This was a really stupid movie, romantic Denny. drama um, that, like, nah. used boxing as an excuse to exist. <laughs> but, That's the right take. Yeah. Yes. I seamless edit people all the time. Like in your dreams? I, yes, and in real life. Like right we now. went out of order. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. That was one of my best, my best Greg Mister X. I don't get him much. But I got how, him today. How many, how many times have you done that? I feel like that was like your fifth or sixth <sighs> seamless edit. I haven't been keeping count. I'd put it at three if I had to eyeball it. I was making reference to the title of the movie oh, we're going to talk fuck. about. The Sixth See, Sense. I shouldn't be seamless editing. I don't. I feel like you have about four senses. That's uh, probably true. <laughs> Denny, this was our. Um, I can't think of the word. Consensus pick. Mm -hmm. There we go. I got there. This was our consensus pick. Neither you or I had seen this movie. Um, I'll go ahead and summarize the plot for us. Get it. Uh, this is the second movie in this episode that is set in Philadelphia. <clears throat> oh, shit. I didn't even realize that. You're right. Yeah. Unfortunately, no appearance from Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, my ghost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Sixth Sense is about a... <laughs> you okay? 
Yeah, I'm fine. Keep going. <laughs> All right, if you're sure. Uh, uh. The Sixth Sense is about a young boy named Cole, played by Haley Joel Osment, who is having visions of the dead. He can see ghosts, um, and he is uh, meeting with a child therapist, Dr. Malcolm. Hold on. Dr. Ian Malcolm. Oh. Dr. Ian Malcolm. That's right. So Ian Malcolm <laughs> comes to talk to uh, Cole about the visions he's having, about what's going on with him. Uh, he's, you know, acting out a little in class because he's having these visions. His mom, Tony Collette, is a little worried about him. Uh, Bruce Willis, a famed award-winning child therapist. Um, unfortunately, he's revisited by one of his old former patients who is now grown up into an adult um but he's not fully over his traumas and he shoots bruce willis in the gut and uh turns the gun on himself in the beginning of the movie um we cut to months later where we're taking care of cole and ah oh, man we get a very dramatic scary movie and we get a very scary drama I don't really think this is like a horror movie or really a thriller. It's a drama with some horror elements. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, so Bruce Willis is helping Cole. Dr. Ian Malcolm is helping Cole come to terms to understand the visions he's having um, and kind of get over his traumas and kind of understand what he needs to do with his gift that he has. And, man... What we get is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's really fucking good. Holy shit. Like, I, I kind of lost myself on the summary there, but all you really need to know is this is an incredible movie. Uh, fantastically made and acted uh, with really deep and relatable character dramas. Yeah. Despite being of a paranormal nature. Which is hard to do. It's hard to How do. often do you integrate something so high concept and appeal to people on such a real level, right? Like, how mm -hmm. do you? How often do you really like really elicit human emotion with like a supernatural horror? Did the Ring do this? You know, like I love the Ring. Don't get me wrong, um, mm -hmm. but like, holy shit, man, this was this was good. This was a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, this... Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> what? Like, you you hadn't seen this before, obviously, but I guess you'd had the ending spoiled for you, which we're gonna do now. Be warned if you yeah. somehow haven't heard the ending to this movie and don't listen to The Lonely Island, then here we go. <laughs> it's like a... It's a cultural phenomenon to spoil this movie. Like, yeah. it's like a... It's like a whole thing. Like, spoiling The Sixth Sense is a whole, like meme and bit snape kills dumbledore right oh, yeah exactly um still not over that not snape killing go. dumbledore getting it spoiled yeah i knew what you i meant. grew up uh, and moved on from <laughs> harry potter it was fun when i was a teenager um dude for this movie i think that's the reason i never saw it is because I mean, I've, we've all seen a lot of Shyamalan's other movies yeah. um they just kind of get progressively worse yeah but I, I liked Signs. I, I like Signs liked, a lot. 
I, I liked the village, I think, more than the average person. You and I both. I, it's not flawless. I've got some critiques, but I don't think it deserves the hatred that it gets. I think it's yeah. kind of neat. But I, I never saw this movie because I thought the only leg it had to stand on was like a... Uh, like a crazy twist yeah. that you don't see coming. Like if if you know the twist, the movie is ruined. So I never I never I never watched it. So I didn't expect what I saw. I was not expecting like a well just like a great character drama with like fantastic performances, especially from Haley Joel Osment. Dude what a great kid. How good was he as a child actor? And he's good as an adult actor now too. Like I, I love him every time he shows up and um God, that is just an all time great child actor performance, man. He was so good in this movie. Oh yeah. And then we've got Dude, he, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just um yeah, I wish we had seen him in more. He was in this, in AI, and then you don't really see him much until he's an adult kind of doing let less less big stuff despite how successful this film yeah. was but yeah he he at whatever like eight years old yeah. just carries this film do you uh do you watch the boys yes he's, that's he's one of the, really fun yeah. in the boys he, he's really great where, where he's playing a former child star <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah no my relationship with this movie is uh pretty much exactly the same as yours like just like to a t I uh, I assume I had no idea I would love the how of this movie so much because I had the yeah. what spoiled. Um, I I also assumed that it was like so beloved that I thought it's like it's probably some dumb like pop culture movie that appeals to everyone. Um, which not again not that that's bad. It's just I'm kind of in deep with movies at this point. You know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I'm I'm in deep. We yeah. have a podcast. Um, I I don't judge it or look down on it at all. But I'm also just like eh. You know, like, a lot of people think a lot of dumb stuff is just fantastic. So, a lot of people liked Baby yeah. Mama with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and that movie fucking blows. And we all know how much you love Amy Poehler. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Um, um, I th yeah, it, it's just like, I was like, this is going to be... A little bit better than signs is just what i assumed well yeah and honestly like, in defense of m night Shyamalan, who this is not based on anything mm -hmm. this is just an inference it's just something i assume i feel like hollywood was like you're the twist guy everything you make has to have a twist now mm -hmm. if your name's on it big crazy twist because that's what made money it was that one element of the sixth sense people liked a twist and as always the hollywood executive producer machine misses no people liked the fucking movie and the twist put it over the edge is something incredible if bruce willis yeah. is alive this is still a fantastic movie absolutely i would have still loved it pretty much just about as much yeah if you like dock it two points but that yeah you're right that well, it puts it over the edge but like it's still highly rated in yeah, my head you would have needed more of a payoff you, you would have needed to yeah. do some other sort of climactic ending of him just opening up to his mom in the car is not a good finish it was the end of his arc but we would have needed something it's, a little more you know and that seems incredible yeah dude real quick tony collette having this be her only oscar nomination oh, that she didn't even win my hands are in the air is 
It's proof that the Academy is dumb and fucking useless. Dude. She got snubbed for Hereditary big time. And, like, she's incredible. And she's fantastic in this movie. She I, I, she was my... I didn't know Carl Weathers was Apollo Creed for this movie. <laughs> um, I had no idea nice. she was in it. And, like, I noticed, like, several years ago that Tony Collette quietly became one of my favorite actors. Like, I was just, oh, yeah. like, I never was, like, if you asked me, like, name one of your favorite actors, I probably wouldn't have said her. And then suddenly I was, like, she's fucking incredible in everything I see her in. She's so mm -hmm. good. She always, like, elevates the material with a good performance. Like, she does better than the movie deserves sometimes. Like, I just, like, realized a couple of years ago, I was like, holy shit, Tony Collette is one of my favorite actors. You know, like, and I was just over the moon when i saw her name in the opening credits and even more so when i was like oh she's like a principal character in this movie fuck yeah let's go oh yeah this is gonna be great i didn't know For she sure. was doing shit this big in the late 90s honestly i kind of think yeah. of her as like a 2010s actor and that's not the case at all it's really not she's been around for a long time and has been kicking ass for like three decades now the whole time baby oh man where do where do we start here um, um i know where to start I ah please i was gonna make a dumb joke i'm gonna please. make a dumb joke which of us gets to make our dumb joke you, first you first denny i just thought you know i was watching it and i was just like it's interesting the ghost you know like when he told when he told bruce willis he sees dead people i was really hoping bruce willis would be like i have a question do any of those fuckers ever <laughs> blast out of the wall with like a huge messy shit? <laughs> Just delivered it a hundred percent seriously. I've been laughing at that <laughs> thought ever since I saw it. Cole, do you see someone at the top of the stairs? <laughs> yes. I see them hanging. Does one of them have like a huge cum shot? <laughs> it's interesting, the ghost. What was your dumb joke, Greg? Uh, man. It's just a, you know, poor Bruce Willis. He dies and he gets to be a fucking ghost and he spends the whole time working. <laughs> he goes back to his job. I get that he loves it. I get that he's good at it. He has a passion for it, but man. Dude, on that note, this movie hit me extra hard as a therapist just because I was mm -hmm. like, one of my biggest fucking fears is failing someone in their hour of need. Mm -hmm. Like, if I fuck it up, how likely are they to keep going to therapist? You know, like, if I fucking blow it. Um, and especially, yeah. like, I barely work with kids and adolescents anymore, but I used to a lot. It's hard. And it's hard to know what to do. And I've just always been just, like terrified that when someone is vulnerable and asking for help i would just like miss something crucial that i would like because like in therapy you also have to use your judgment a lot there's not as many clear answers as i expected going into grad school a lot of the time and what if i just blew it you know like it just this just hit me so fucking hard in that area man yeah i get that 100 percent I'm totally stealing his uh, mind-reading game, though. That was fantastic. I thought you were going to steal his coin trick. Oh, no. I, I'm not good at yeah. close-up magic. 
Neither is he because he called him out on it right away. It made me really sad. <laughs> Cole calls out Bruce Willis on a coin trick, and I was just like, oh. How? He's like, yeah. He he plays it off pretty good. Like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Coins are his magic. <laughs> and but then you can tell Cole was impressed because he does it later. Mm-hmm. He just didn't want to show he was impressed. And didn't the other kid like call Cole on out? call out on it too i don't remember i don't remember <sighs> dude this movie, man, man this movie i kind of wish i had watched this third so it would have like it would be fresher on my mind and have more to say about it yeah um i do appreciate that this was Shyamalan putting himself in the movie before that got old yeah which was another movie he did which i haven't seen yet uh yeah it, it got tired pretty quick mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it didn't feel completely out of place here. And, you know, the character makes sense. I feel like that's an interesting scene, too. Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's a director cameo. That's all right. It's it's a director cameo, but they do this weird thing because it's like a waiting room with a doctor talking to the mother, mm-hmm. right? And they have, like, that game where, like, the marbles go follow, like, a small wire on like a plank of wood right it's just like a bunch of beads with holes in them that you like slide around and like the wires the cameras behind them or the cameras in front of the wires and the characters behind them and like the wires are like going through their heads there's got to be something there i have no idea what it is i'm not that smart i don't know i just thought it was kind of weird that they were like somewhat behind those things i don't even know what you're talking about fine I don't remember it that well. Guess we'll have to watch it again. Wouldn't hate it. Um, um, we were watching this on. Uh, we were watching this on Halloween night and waiting on trick or treaters. And like, when the credits rolled, I looked over at Vanessa and I was like, I didn't think this would make me as sad as it did. <laughs> like, yeah. shit, man, that was that was it got me. It was really heavy, dude. Um... I was just like fighting back tears at a couple points, which I haven't felt that way in a long time yeah. in a movie. Yeah. Uh, BFF of the show, Will Reno, his review of this movie is just the saddest scary movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's his review. Ooh. He, it deals a lot with like. It's just so much. There's so many elements to this. It's. It's. Cole trying to come to terms with this gift he has. It feels like a curse, but he's he learns how to um, utilize it and properly manage it yeah. in a way that's beneficial to others. And he wants to be helpful, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And once he kind of understands that, he's allowed to kind of be a kid again. Because he feels like a troubled adult for the majority yeah. of it. And then in the, some of the final scenes, he starts acting like a kid. Yeah again and he kind of gets his childhood and humanity back and then we're also dealing with like what we think is like a relationship gap between bruce willis and his wife Mm -hmm. but it turns out bruce willis is dead so it's not really a relationship gap it's realizing oh shit i'm dead and my um uh widowed wife is having trouble moving on and coping she's staying up late watching the wedding video and just like just having so much trouble moving on it's like you're watching all that happens with 
Cole. And then we also get another story of someone watching someone they've left behind grieve their loss. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard to watch. You know, the the ending still worked incredibly well for me because it was so amazingly well done, even with the spoilers. I mm-hmm. really wished I could watch the arc of him and his wife not knowing. I just, I wonder how it would have affected me if I had not known he was dead. You know, like, would, I have, would yeah. I have bought into it? You know, like, I just, how would, I, I think that's something that would have really enhanced or in some way changed my experience with the movie not for the reveal but for the like the story of those two if i had not known that he was dead it's it's a reveal that jolts you emotionally and puts you in an emotional place and then like it's got you by the heartstrings and now it's gonna play them Mm -hmm. kind of thing you know where it's just like like a fiddle we've thrown you off now your emotions are <laughs> at our leisure. Hours to play with. Hours <laughs> to play with, and boy, do they! Man, like, yeah, like exactly like you said. Those that scene still worked very well for me, and it's just like because you don't get that opportunity when you lose a loved one. You don't get the chance for any sort of reassurance um, from beyond yeah. or anything like that. You. You don't have that opportunity. And it's maybe kind of like a fantasy thing. Like maybe the person you love that you lost is trying to reach out to you in some way. And they can only talk to you while you sleep. Mm -hmm. And that kind of thing. So interesting things to think about. Interesting concepts. It's just it comes from a place of like extreme vulnerability and raw emotion. Like it's. I'm getting emotional now, man getting emotional now remembering it and i'm just thinking about that final scene and it's just like the the twist felt so inconsequential yeah to what made that movie good yeah but it did make that scene all the more impactful so i think something that always gets me man is seeing someone who was very distressed find peace yeah like oh yeah what what else can we hope for isn't that kind of the ultimate right like that you could make peace with your pain and Mm -hmm. you see it happen in a very earned way from several well-done characters well-written well-performed well-directed characters yeah dude even even a lot of the minor characters yeah um there yeah there's one part i'm not going to spoil one of my picks for a gimmick later but yeah god there's some there's some cool small time characters yes yeah. um i did want to weigh in a little bit on something i think most people won't get because most people aren't therapists uh i'm not so fill me in basically anytime therapy's in a movie i just brace myself and i'm like well my profession's about to get set back 20 years uh, <laughs> like anytime it shows up in media I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be a bad representation of what I do every day. Um, this movie really, really captured the nuance of therapy. Just like a lot of things like building rapport, when to self-disclose. Basically, other than following your client around 
<laughs> in their day-to-day <laughs> life and going places with them and waiting outside their house to hang out with them. Can't help it. He's a ghost. Exactly. If, <laughs> but <laughs> but if, if, if all of that happened in an office setting, I'd be like, that was a pretty good representation of what it's like. And mm-hmm. what hit me really hard is um, how unbelievably gut-wrenching it is to say goodbye to a child client that you've really connected with. Because mm-hmm. adults can understand it. You know, like adults, like they can be like, I get it, either you got a new job or my insurance cut out or I worked on what I wanted to work on and now I'm done. I don't need to come here anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And they can understand the roles in the relationship. Um, kids can't. And you just know that you are like, doing something heartbreaking to this kid who is attached to you and you're attached to them and they just don't get why it has to end. And it, it's Mm. just, it's some of the hardest shit I've ever done in my life is saying goodbye to some of my play therapy kids. They just, cause they just, they're kids. They don't, they don't understand it. They just know that they care about you (laughs) and feel connected to you and they're going to miss you and they don't want you to leave. And even though you can like, rest assured that they are going to get over it because you know we've all had relationships from childhood mm-hmm. that we get over we make new ones we're you know yeah. you're, you're you're a kid but as an adult you're just like that person's not done growing yeah and i'm not my i'm not their parent obviously yeah. so i can't see that through yeah and well, like, i imagine it's always feeling like there's still a little bit more work to be done yeah is that kind of yeah well well it's more like this because like i've had some really good terminations with kids like in an ideal term i i you, hate that term you kill the <laughs> you kill the kids i always quote the terminator and on the last session i tell the kid you're terminated fucker. you're terminated fucker <laughs> no, um, yeah um i wish they'd call what? it like you're graduating from therapy instead of you're terminating with your counselor but that's oh the yeah that's use, better right um you know, Came up in an this. ideal scenario, you give the kid like literally five weeks notice. And in that in mm-hmm. that five weeks time, you'll see them come to terms with losing you. You know, like that, that'll be that'll be part of their process. And I've had it happen really well and happen really beautifully and appropriately. And I've seen kids go from like despair to acceptance and equipped to move on. You know, like I really have. Yeah. And it is still gut-wrenching it's just so hard even when it goes like as well as it should go in an ideal situation and you know that they're ready you know like you know that they're good it just fucking rips your heart out and stomps on it man because even then they fully they've emotionally come to terms with it and they're ready and Mm -hmm. they're equipped and if you're a good therapist they're not dependent on you um, you're supposed to make them independent of you, right? Um, and they just, you just know that they just don't understand the context. Like, mm-hmm. they don't understand why you can't come to their house and watch a movie with them. You know, like, they just, they don't they don't yeah. get it. And they want you to. Um, they don't get why you can't keep in touch with them after the relationship's over. They just, adults adults can understand. And don't get me wrong, it's still fucking gut-wrenching with a lot of adults, especially 
Not when you terminate because they're ready to stop, but when you terminate because you got a new job and they're right in the middle of something. You know, like, Mm -hmm. even then, even when an adult is devastated, they get it that you got a new job and you've got to go. You know, and they, like, kids just don't get it. They don't know why you're doing this to them. They just don't understand it. It's like a... It's like when a dog has surgery they don't know what's going on they're scared yeah. they're just scared oh come on i'm not i'm not gonna cry on a podcast All right. please um don't mention dogs getting hurt uh don't mention dogs getting healed they're having surgery that's true that's nice oh that's nice um there we go shirley well would it make it easier on you if you found out that the child was the only person that could see you and you were a ghost and at the end of your time with the child you would pass on to the afterlife would that make it a little better for you yeah i think that would help some dude did a (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm just gonna cruise on by that (laughs) that would help yeah yeah sounds great so does cole realize that bruce willis is dead i don't think he does I don't think he so. He never knows like, that. Interesting. No, that's that's cool. I don't think he would have I, I said, guess... I see dead people. He would have said, you're dead and I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude. How about that scene where he tells Bruce Willis he can see dead people? He's ready to tell him his secret. That's That's one of the, that's one of the times where I'm like, damn, Bruce Willis is killing it in this scene. Yeah, it just feels he's trying... so vulnerable and connected. Oh, yeah. Like, he's he's built this connection with this kid, and he's, like, hearing what he's saying, and it's not that he doesn't believe him. He's just, like, scared to believe him. Yeah. So he's very careful in what he asks, and he's trying not to show any fear because, you know, you don't want to freak the kid out that's, like, opening up to you like that. Yeah, and he just he plays that so well. Where he's just asking simple follow up questions, mm-hmm. keeping kind of a straight face, and he just has this stern, worried look in his eyes at the same time. Yep, very, very good. Very true to life, Greg. Um, Ooh, hey, hey, I uh, speaks from experience. You know, I haven't worked with a lot of psychosis. Um, it's not it's not an area of my expertise. I have worked with some. Um, I have worked with some children who were believed to be psychotic and I have never once bought it. (laughs) Like I've just Mm -hmm. never been sold. I've been like, my understanding of psychotic disorders is that it's technically possible for them to happen at a very young age. But it's really, 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 really fucking rare. That was Dr. Cox. It's pretty rare for that to get set off or awakened before, like, late adolescence, early adulthood. I have never... Unless you're Michael Myers. There we go. Go ahead. I have never once believed that the child I was working with was psychotic. They were usually diagnosed by another clinician because of something they reported that I thought probably had some secondary gain or ulterior motive. Okay. If there was a child that, like, was legitimately psychotic, I don't know that I would know what to do with it. And especially if I, like, loved the kid, but was like, I've got to refer you to a specialist. This is above my pay grade. I would have that 
look in my eyes where I'd be like, you just told me something that I'm not professionally competent to deal with, and that means you have to start this whole process over. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck, that sucks. Oh my god, it would have just... If I was Bruce Willis in that scene, it, I would have not handled it as well as he did, maybe. I don't know. Um, man. You know what else fucking sucks? Bruce Willis with hair. Tommy Tomasino. Oh, that fucker. That little fucker. He's in one commercial, <laughs> thinks he can lock other kids in the upstairs top of the stairs dungeon cellar thing what the hell was that about how on point was that commercial for 90s commercials when Dude, they i thought it, it was a real commercial and i'm like hey that's the little fucker tommy <laughs> weird weird thing about me i watch old commercials for fun because i've apparently Ch cheddar goblin commercials yes yeah <laughs> i've apparently internalized uh capitalism to the point that i'm nostalgic for advertisements from my childhood um dude <laughs> i love it me too yeah the the kid that's a snowman but he eats his Campbell's soup and he melts and he's a kid I again. I know exactly what we're talking about, Greg. And if I know you do. If you ever want something calming to watch while you go to bed, I'm just going to leave you with the YouTube channel Dave's Archives. Thank me later. Ah. Yeah. Well, I also know what number to call for the same experience. It's 267-8433 because the next best thing to know is Dalworth Dalworth clean. clean. God. Ding. That commercial was my whole child. I, I just, I smelled the carpet in my living room from childhood when you said that. That's Dalworth. We never had Dalworth. So I always wondered why. <laughs> but it's the next best thing to know, Mom. Mom you, you need me to write down the number? I had got it in my brain. How crazy is it that those those commercials were so low production value and yet so prolific? Like, I remember even being a kid and being like, this commercial looks kind of shitty compared to the other commercials. <laughs> uh, it's not as good as the uh, injured in a car wreck lawyer commercials, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, Has this ever happened to you? I, I don't know why I need these color-changing markers. I just need them, Mom. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Dude, I think Tommy's mom, when he goes to that birthday party, that bitch didn't know what Chuck E. Cheese was. Do you remember that? You might have just spoiled a gimmick for me. I remembered it very well. <sighs> My note is just, this bitch doesn't know what Chuck E. Cheese is? Yeah. Sorry, man. A fucking rich parent in the 90s doesn't know what Chuck E. Cheese is. Not the 90s. 1999. This is, like, peak peak chucky e. this cheese. might have been the peak yeah. i don't have any chucky e. cheese memories post 2000 okay that, that's that's fine that's uh it's probably for the best yeah that would have been around the oh. point it got weird for me to go there so good <laughs> on me for knowing when to put a lid tickets. on it you joking greg you're joking mm. my brother and i saved up Chuck E. Cheese tickets for years in my grandma's garage and never never cashed them in and my understanding is, is that a couple years ago she did how many spider rings did she get 10,000 spider rings <laughs> oh my god I thought they would have looked at her like it was confederate currency <laughs> like what the f what the fuck <laughs> 
she had like kids earn, shelves. Kids earn bitcoins bags. on her ski ball now. <laughs> 12, 12s of grocery bags of tickets? Just shelves. Shelves and shelves. Shelves. I thought you said 12s, like a like a unit of measurement. No, my, my of grandma them. took us a lot. And we were like always being like, one day we're going to cash in and get that air hockey table that's like 4,000 tickets. And we just never did it. Like this, this big? Yeah. Or like it was that. horse shit. Yeah. Sorry, man. The, the thrill. The thrill was great. At least you had i hope you had fun with the games at least oh yeah. i loved every second of it and at a certain point we had so many that i just wanted to keep saving them you know like at yeah. a certain point i was like it's not like i counted every individual ticket i had no idea how many we had but it was always like go to chuck e cheese play a fuck ton of games take in a show eat some pizza and then like leave with another grocery bag full of tickets and be like all right put it put it in savings and now I'm going to put a down payment on my first home in Chuck E. Cheese tickets. I hope those have been collecting interest. <laughs> Dude. <sighs> so, the sixth sense, right? Yeah, man. I think, I, think, I think I've covered the ground I need to cover. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much out of notes here. Um... It's just wild to see, like you were saying with Shaman, just becoming the twist guy, and that that's that's a real shame because yeah. the guy and the emotional mind behind the creation of this film, there was just so much unbelievable potential there, and we got a couple more decent ones, maybe like a good one or two, but then things just fell off and i feel so bad about that man like even you know christopher nolan will have a stinker every once in a while but yeah i saw tenet i know (laughs) i I didn't you're fine yeah all right (laughs) save yourself you can't fucking three hours (laughs) that's right it's just but i'm still gonna you know i'm still probably gonna get around to seeing the next one with some sort of high hopes yeah dude and i like you're you're gonna get your directors that just like hit a slump they make a movie that's a passion project or something like that or they make one that the studio wants them to make and it's not a passion project and you're just maybe lose a little bit of that magic but then there's still there's still that artistic mind in there that's going to give you something that you're going to love and connect with yeah and it'll come out eventually and I feel for the guy because I I just feel like that hasn't happened again for him since, I guess, Signs. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know anybody that connected at all with Lady in the Water or The Happening or whatever. After Earth, like, people just kind of view him now as, oh, he's making another movie. How is this one going to suck? And I... I hate that because I see a movie like this and I'm just like, man, there's something there. Like this wasn't an accident. This, the, the quality of this movie isn't a fluke. The expertise at which, with which this was made and just like, it's so creative and so emotional and so easy to connect with that you're, you can't think that, that, that this was an accident. Well, yeah, I just, 
I just don't believe it's the same person. <laughs> I just on a I, not like a really, but you know. I don't know much about M Night Shyamalan other than he is the twist guy. Um, I I don't think he deserves to be the punchline that he is. I've just gotta assume yeah. that there's some like typecasting going on. You know, like where Hollywood's like, all right. We'll pay you another $10 million, but it better have a twist. That's all we want. Twist it. I feel... I know you're... Bop it. <laughs> I wish he was the Bop it guy. <laughs> that was quick. That was quick. <laughs> so, that's what I'm here for. My man. I, like, I don't want him to be the punchline. And I don't... I don't... Maybe he was coerced into being the twist guy for like a few years after this but then he just like completely fell out of favor yeah. and i feel like that's the kind of opportunity where you're just like nothing i've made like the last few projects none of them have really taken off i'm kind of in the public's eye i am a punchline mm -hmm. i can take a few years off and just make whatever the hell i want again you can kind of come back to the original creator that you wanted to be yeah. in the first place and I, I just it didn't really happen and I, I i really feel for the guy again i'd love to see him do it because dude i mean he's one of the most notable filmmakers of a generation win lose or draw yeah. like he's one of the big everybody knows his name yeah. yeah and it's a cool name m night Shyamalan. what a cool name fuck I know, it's a right? Badass name. Damn. I'm sitting over here being named fucking Denny Taylor, and there's people running around named Imran <laughs> Shyamalan. It's fucking awesome. He's making mediocre movies, and we're making mediocre movie podcasts. Hey, ayo! I consider us above average. I consider us above average. Greg, what is your we're favorite line from The Sixth Sense? Well, we got to do the other gimmick first, right? Oh, shit, shit, uh, shit. Favorite thing that wasn't spoiled. You're right. The non-classic scene that I never heard about. Oh, my God. I wanted to talk about this the whole time. Kira's Wake. The girl... This is, like, Cole's first utilization of his ability to see the dead. And he sees a girl, and he's kind of... He's been talking this gift out with dr ian malcolm and he's just like maybe they're looking for help and the first time he tries to help one of the ghosts he stops being afraid and he approaches her and says like what is it you need what is it you want and oh my god that scene is so good this is what i was talking about with like minor characters delivering delivering such like poignant emotional punch yep where she, oh my so he gets a box and he doesn't open it he doesn't question it he hands it straight to the deceased girl's dad and he watches it in a room and one of it's it's my favorite scene because he's just watching this videotape of his wife slowly like poisoning their daughter and like keeping her sick and like the entire scene is on his face and the tv like it just goes between the two and then you see more and more of the men that are at the wake like filling in the area behind him watching this too but you don't see their reactions because they don't matter it's all living on his face 
and then they cut to him confronting his wife and something that my fiance pointed out was the wife is wearing all red and bright red lipstick to her own daughter's wake and she pointed out that that was why and i was like holy shit i noticed that too she's the fucking that devil it was, was so good she pointed that i wouldn't have noticed that but she pointed it out and it just it the again it's the exclamation mark on the scene that just put it over the edge for me yep. that whole scene was just just encapsulated what i loved about the movie all in like a little six minute emotional journey with characters we hadn't seen before and didn't see again it's like a little short film a fantastic yeah. one at that right and then we're also getting like the arc of our main character cole yeah right like his purpose is kind of getting fulfilled mm-hmm. And we're getting the full brunt of the emotional impact that that can have on a family. Yep. So good. Gregory. Hey, Denny, what's your non-classic scene that you hadn't heard about before or had spoiled for you? I picked the same one as you. It's that scene, man. I don't think there's anything to say that you didn't already say, man. That's just, I picked it honestly for not even as good of reasons as you did, not as thoughtful. I, I just I just thought it was fucking awesome, and I think your exploration of it is on fucking point. Thanks, man. Uh, it 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 lived in my head. Like we 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 watched it on Halloween. Both of us did yeah. separately. Um, that was four days ago. I'm still thinking about that scene. I just realized that we hung out to watch Community and record a podcast and then stopped hanging out to go to our houses and watch the same movie separately. For also for the podcast. <laughs> I think you texted me that you were watching and I was like, oh yeah, we do need to watch that. Oh shit, it's Sunday. I've watched zero of the movies we need to watch. It's Halloween. Let's start with the only scary one. Yeah. Hey, babe, you want to watch this one? Well, no, it, sure. it was really great because like, Vanessa and I really like to do some form of heavy hitter on Halloween night. And we already Mm -hmm. did. We already did our heavy hitters for the Halloween episode about a week before Halloween. So we, Mm -hmm. the sixth sense was perfect (laughs) for Halloween night for us. It was great. Absolutely. A little sad. And we had to decompress with four consecutive Brooklyn nine, nine Halloween specials, but nice. It was a great way to decompress. Some good heists. They were. Ah, fuck, dude. That seems so good. Like I, like I was saying, like I wanted to watch this movie a little. I wanted it to be a little bit more fresh, but yep. that scene is still completely fresh in my mind. No, it was fantastic. Um, what's your favorite line? Uh, I had a runner-up uh, where Doctor Ian Malcolm is assuring Cole that the play was good, and he said, "I thought the play was excellent, better than Cats." <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> foreshadowing baby i just you wait i also preemptively think that play was better than cats <laughs> um i haven't seen cats and i guarantee you it was greg i made a note that said damn the cats foreshadowing can they see us are we dead but i couldn't remember why i made the note until you said that so i didn't bring it up <laughs> i fill in the gaps i'm the mistopsvillies or whatever sure We've got two months to watch this. All right. Well, whatever. All right. Uh, my actual favorite line uh, is a conversation between uh, Ian Malcolm. <laughs> oh, I never stopped. 
uh, Ian Malcolm and Cole, and there's uh, Cole tells Ian Malcolm, he asks him, tell me why you're sad. And Bruce Will says, what makes you think I'm sad? And Cole says, your eyes told me. Ah, oh. uh -huh. that's got to be. So it, oh man, it's just so emotional, and it's just like, as a child therapist, I'll let you take the floor after I make this this statement. Like that's got to be incredibly, like, emotionally disarming to have your child, um, the child you're working with, ask you something like that. Or tell you something like that. I would feel fucking naked if a kid said that to me in session. Yeah. Um, and it's something I love about working with kids. I actually don't work with kids anymore. I work with a couple adolescents here and there, but that's because I particularly like them. I'm 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 pretty done with kids at this point. <laughs> but um, in general, yeah, in general, <laughs> dude, I spent all of my twenties working with kids, and I'm just I'm just done. <laughs> just tired of it. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but, oh, dude, like something I loved about working with kids versus adults is how just like brutally honest they are. Um, mm -hmm. like if I, if I like reflect a feeling wrong to an adult, I'll be like, oh, you're feeling confused. And I'll be like, yeah, it's that. And I'm kind of mad. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's them saying wrong. But they're not going to tell yeah. you you got it wrong. A kid, if you're like, you're feeling confused, they'll be like, no, I'm mad. <laughs> like, they'll just like, <laughs> if a kid thought you were sad, they'd tell you they were sad. And sometimes they come at you like that. Um, mm -hmm. That would have fucking devastated me. I would have been like, oh, 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 oh. Uh, we're ending the session early. I'm closing my eyes now. Too vulnerable. Now you can't see shit. Those are cool paints. Um, <laughs> nah, man. It, it was a really cool relational dynamic. I thought they, I really think they understood like the emotional core of what child therapy is like. It was tight. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite. What's one? your favorite line? Yeah. Well, since we already kind of went over Chucky who cheese, which made me laugh for so many reasons. One is because <laughs> our mutual friend Colby um, always refers to him as Charles Everett cheese. <laughs> Which I think is really funny. Um, I always thought it was Chester Entertainment Cheese. It's one of the two. <laughs> I, or like, no. I think Colby calls him something different. No, the E the E stands for entertainment. You're right. Um, Charles Entertainment. Yeah, something. Um, I'll go with uh, Love you, Colby. something we didn't touch on at all. Love you too, Colby. Um, I'll show you where my dad keeps his gun. What a fucking scene. What a fucking scene. Greg, what is your Critiker score? Um, well, I opened Critiker to give this a rating. I had I had my rating solidified in my mm -hmm. head, and there was still 40 minutes to go in the movie. <laughs> um, and I didn't change it. But I opened Critiker, and it, I found that I had already rated this like 10 years ago. I gave it like a 31 or something. But you'd never seen it? But I hadn't seen it, so I like... Must have, like, accidentally have... put it in or something. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Anyways, I gave this one a 39 out of 40. Damn! Same score as Whiplash. Oh! I gave, this one a... I gave it a 39 out of 40. I am a gog. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Dude. I wish it was fresher so I could flesh out a little bit more of my feelings on some of the scenes and Tony Collette's performance and everything I loved about it, but just a movie that I feel disconnected with and just like emotionally impacted by and like so creatively and well made like I I gotta give it high high ratings and there's like even a scene where Bruce Willis is messing with his tape recorder right and he's like listening to his old um the the patient that shot him uh, he's listening to the tape of their sessions mm-hmm. when they when that man was a child, mm-hmm. and he starts turning up the volume and the way it's filmed and the way the audio sounds. You're just like, it's like perfect tension building and like you really feel this volume knob getting turned up to ten, and like the static and the silence, if that makes sense, yeah. just get louder and louder and louder, and you start hearing ghosts talking. Terrific filmmaking, terrific story, perfectly acted. It's it's hard to find any complaints about it. My only one is there's a couple points where the score maybe gets a little bit in the way, mm. but it's I don't care. Like it's it's hard to find too much wrong with it, but yeah. Damn, dude, I didn't know you liked it that much. Yeah, I told you it was one of the best movies I've ever seen. This is up there with Alien and Whiplash. And See, I re- I regularly terrific. speak in hyperbole, so I didn't take it that seriously. But you, oh, but no. you don't. Like, I, you I, meant it. I meant it, yeah. Um, as soon as you left on Halloween the other day, I was like... I was looking at the, the posters behind me on the wall, and I was just like, I wonder when I'm ever going to get like another 40. Like, when am I going to get another perfect score or, like, even something close? And I was just, like, caught off guard with how much I love this movie. Shit, man. 39 out of 40. I'm glad you found something you love that much. Me too. Damn. Can't wait to watch it again, honestly. Hell yeah. Um, I gave it a 47 out of 50, which is also an insanely high score. Pretty, pretty, pretty damn close. Um, that's, that's, that's well into all-timer territory for me i have i have 10 more points on my rating scale um than greg does so i I get a little more wiggle room you know like to to kind of nuance stuff out but like anything over 45 for me is just one of the greatest movies i've ever seen that i'm just like this Mm -hmm. is upper upper echelon this is next level um i did want to say totally unexpected totally unexpected too no yeah go ahead I, I thought I would give this, like, a 40. You know, like, I, I assumed I was like, yeah. there's a reason everyone loves it. It's probably a little overhyped. You know, like, I, I assumed I'd give mm-hmm. it a 40, which is a high pass, right? Like, that's that's an A. Um, This is, like, an A-plus with extra credit. You know, like, and... Mm-hmm. I did, on the note of you wondering when you'd get another 40, I actually have a, a bullet in the chamber that I haven't revealed publicly. Um, cause I, I've been thinking about it too lately. My scale ends at 50. And if I ever saw a movie like you've seen that you just think, you know, for sure it's the best movie ever made. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to give it a 51. And I, I was wondering that recently if I wonder if I'll ever find my 51. 
just like the definitive best movie ever made yeah Damn. anyway just wanted to throw I that ho- out in the i universe. hope it finds you yeah so i can't wait to talk about muppet treasure island <laughs> for movies for when it's a 51 out of 50 <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm still giddy that you liked this movie that much because you're 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 a harsher grader than I am. You know, like I I, oh, yeah. I get excited, I get recency bias, and I like to say it's good, it's great. You you usually rate them a little lower than I do. This is a big deal. Like knowing how much you love Whiplash, that you would oh, give yeah. this the same grade as Whiplash is truly like I'm just delighted over here. That's really cool. It's it's exactly the right company for it to be in, uh, for me at least. This is all you know, personal and stuff. Yeah. Ugh. Hot damn, man! Hot diggity damn! Hot damn! On my critic, I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, eight movies that are a thirty-nine, and then a single forty. So long story I short. F- 39 is essentially a 99.9 out of 100 for you yeah basically um there aren't even 10 movies in this category so that's great how how many movies have you ranked uh 982 holy shit yeah so holy shit right that's insane that's insane insane that you found a new 39 I'm really excited for you. I I was astonished. I was just like, like I said, 40 minutes before it was over, I just like, unless they do something that like completely departs and just ruins my experience, this is getting a 39. Damn. Or I was going to say a 38 and then the the wake scene happened. I'm like, mm, it's a 39. <laughs> when you have like a fantastic short film in your fantastic feature length film you gotta just recognize that that's some inception ass shit that's right man all right just i'm just in such a good mood because you liked it this much i really am me being happy makes you it does greg so you know it's a good relationship it does greg (sighs) ah all right Ooh, what's the what's the i mean formality what's the best movie for when you missed out on a classic Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to say Rocky Two. Uh, it's it's the sixth sense. Yep, it's the sixth. Short sense. and sweet. That's a yup for me. Twenty-two years after the fact. Sorry, I missed it. Very sorry. Sorry, I it was it. on the shelves for so long. God damn. All right, man. What are we? Uh, what are we doing next week? Let's 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 let the people know we're playing with an inverse um let us let the people know this week was when there was a very famous movie that you've never seen next week is movies for when you want to find a hidden gem sneaky movies that lots of people haven't seen that are really good really good or at least extremely maybe high on our list extremely watchable something that we'll think you'll uh, get a lot out of yeah I don't have a pick yet. This is a hard one, honestly. I had a hard time narrowing it down, but I, I picked one. You, I picked one. What do you got? The Art of Self-Defense. I've been meaning to watch that. I saw it in theaters a couple of years ago and was blown away. 
and have only found one person ever who could have a conversation with me about it because they also saw it. Well, next week we'll make it two. Yay! And hopefully a lot more. Um, I'll I'll have a pick. We'll post it online somewhere. Um, and we're gonna open uh we're gonna open this one to an audience suggestion poll. I, I figured we'd go ahead and uh, let people make suggestions, narrow it down, and then let people vote. Yeah, exactly. I think the people uh, deserve it. The people deserve a vote. Uh, we haven't. It, it's been a couple weeks since we've done this. Um, having audience suggestions, and then we'll vote on the favorite. Yeah, start dusting off the old DVDs, looking for your, uh, start looking for your indie faves. Think of something that every time you say, uh, hey, have you seen this movie? Everybody says, no, what the hell is that? Are you, <laughs> are you kidding me? Why would I ever watch that? Let us know, please. Uh, you can let us know. We'll post something on Facebook if you look for Movies for Win. I'll have something posted on Twitter, at Movies for Win. Find us there. Uh, social media it's it's out there baby <sighs> we should make an instagram Jenny, <laughs> the hell we it should takes like two God, minutes dude. and i keep being like yeah when i have time i have time every time i take a shit and i never do it <laughs> i don't even i don't use my own instagram so i don't even fair <laughs> whatever uh denny i'm ready to tell you my secret <gasps> what is it I see catchphrases. Like in your dreams? No, like right now. Oh, fuck. For Greg Work, the Leg Work Johnson, I'm Denny the Talent Taylor. And this has been... Movies for when? We already told you when. You seen the you seen the movies for when? You seen the movies for when? You know? I'm Morgan Freeman. I'm talking to Rocky Balboa. When I first saw Rocky Balboa, I didn't take him as the guy to go face to face with Apollo Creed. Yeah, I'm gonna go the way, man. You gonna try to give me try me again? Try to talk to boxing? You gonna give me on top or what? Well. You know? After he went on that date with Adrian, Rocky got a month in solitary, and he never walked again. Turns out rape is frowned upon.